Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, I've done that. <laughs> I had an extra light switch on, and I thought I better turn it off. And as soon as I get back, I hear your show is starting. <laughs> like, oh boy, that was close. So anyway, I've never done anything quite that crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's been a busy time around here. So I'm just going to bring on uh, uh, Tara D with the uh, Santa Rosa County Animal Shelter Report. Uh, I still owe you a theme. I have been working on projects. I have been getting guests. We've got Andy Ross today. We've got Naomi Wolf on Tuesday. And I've got Jenna McCarthy, who uh, wrote a book with Dr. Pierre Corey on Avermectum on Friday. So things have been nuts around here. How's your life, Tara? What's going on? Oh, and not not as busy as the show, it doesn't sound like. But been doing pretty good, and we're steady here and just working on getting out into the community this month to try to get some cats and dogs adopted. So pretty pretty steady stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it, it, the work is so good that you guys do. Uh, it's interesting. You know, I'm really glad we have this uh, uh, this report on the show now because who doesn't like dogs and cats? You know, except people that abuse them and things like that. I mean, really, how, you know, what what better people business could you be in uh, than, than helping out uh, helping out the critters? I mean, it's just it's a wonderful thing you're doing. Yes, and they never talk back to us, so it's always like, you know, they're pretty appreciative of, of any little thing you do for them. So it's it's pretty rewarding. Well, I won't get that around here. I'll definitely talk back. <laughs> you know, and, and feel free to disagree with me. I think that happens probably more often than not. We have a packed day. We have we have you, and then we have Derek on the financial report. We've got two new gun reporters. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Candy uh, Petticord. Hope I got her name right. And uh, John DeMonico. It's uh, it's going to be it's crazy around here now. And then yesterday I had nobody. <laughs> we have big contrast and things like that going on. I think it right. Yeah, Petticord. Okay, that's good. So let me ask you the question of the day, and then we can move on to the important stuff. Uh, do you think Trump should be Speaker of the House? Are you asking me this? Yeah, I know it's not. You're not politics. Isn't your uh, strong point? <laughs> no, so I'm I, ask I, everybody. I'm, I'm asking completely everybody stay out of politics. Yeah, I, I completely <laughs> stay out of, out of politics. Okay. I would say no. Okay. That'll be my answer. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. All right. Well, let's get to the important stuff. So uh, let's let's start where we never start, which is with the groups that are available. So who who have you got for adoption this week? Um, so actually this week, uh, last week we had tons of kitties and we had lots uh-huh. of adoptions, so that's really exciting. So we've got yeah. a new batch of kittens coming up for adoption, so I actually don't really know any of them. They're all new faces, so I haven't really gotten able to pick a favorite, but there's lots of little cutie pies. We sent a few over to PetSmart, uh, our local PetSmart store in Pace, Florida. And then as far as dogs, we have got some adorable puppies that came in last week that are going to be available probably, I would say, next weekend. Um, came in with a sweet little mama that had been I don't know a gazillion litters you could tell she was just not properly cared for uh, just beat down just a sad little mm. lady and so mm. we've got her in our care now and she's going to be up for adoption here in a few days and we're excited about that because her her name is going to be Aspen I believe and so she's doing well we just sent her out to a foster home so we are excited to find her um, a better opportunity for our family so um, that's our that's our big favorite right now and then this weekend we do have an event uh, we're going to take some doggies out and see some folks in the community so we're excited about that as well how do you do that 
Where, where do they go? What um, do they do? We have we <laughs> so we have this big old van and we load everybody <laughs> up and we just drive to the event and we have our volunteers come with us. So the more volunteers that we have participating, the more right. animals that we get to take. That way, everybody is a handler for each animal and they don't have to be cooped up in cages because. They get nervous and stressful that way, and they don't, oh. you know, you can't see their personality. So we like to have a person for each pet, or each dog, rather, so that they can kind of walk them around, let them exercise, and their personalities come out better. And we just basically, anything we're invited to around town, we try to show up, bring some pets, and then hope for adoption. Some days it's great, some days it's very slow, but it's, um, some people have, an aversion to come to the shelter, it, it makes them sad, and it's overwhelming for them seeing all the animals in the kennels. So this is a way that people can still possibly adopt something without having to directly come to us. Well, that makes sense. I was just thinking uh, as you were talking, you should, uh, if you take your van, uh, you could paint it like a, like a hippie van, like a VW bus from the 60s. <laughs> you know, put some, some love yeah. beads and peace sign hanging from the mirror and some, some wild colors on the side. You know, you're making it like that, the, either the Partridge family or some of the other things. But, uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's pretty generic, but it, it has some paw prints on it, so it is noticeable oh. that it's an animal-related okay, van. So, but, yeah, but um, it's, a little, it's a little scary to drive. It's a big, huge van, and um, I do have to drive it, so we always say everybody just a warning I'm on the road so you know be careful and I don't like to oh. park it so I usually park way out in the, in the middle of the parking <laughs> area somewhere so but so far it's been okay it allows us to bring a lot more dogs to the adoption events so that's exciting we're happy about it yeah 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 well especially I don't know I've, I've driven some fairly large vehicles it's kind of fun but uh, I don't do we need one of those those two o'clock you know uh, all cell phone warnings you know Tardy is oh, on the yeah. road right now. We'll, <laughs> exactly. We'll Be alert. prepared. Clear the roads. Clear the roads. A green Absolutely. alert, yes. Uh, so everybody stay off the roads for the next 45 minutes while we transport doggies and cats. Um, <laughs> something I was thinking, yeah, something I was thinking of, too, is you talked about you, you get to know the, the, the cats, for example, when they come in, and then you adopt them out, and, and you get to know the dogs, mm-hmm. and then you adopt them out. This is an interesting process because you're, you're getting attached to animals, which you obviously love, uh, and then letting them go to different homes. Now, yes, there's more animals coming in, uh, and the whole mm-hmm. purpose is to work yourself out of a job, but how do you do that? Um, that uh, yeah. Is there, um, yeah. I've been trying to work myself out of this job for a long time, and unfortunately, the problem has gotten worse, not better. But, yes, it can be difficult sometimes because you do definitely get attached to the pets, and you just hope you have to remember the goal is to get them a family, and and you don't want them sitting at the shelter. So it's like, okay, they've been here a long time, but we really want them in a home, and we want them spoiled. We want someone to love them, and you just hope for the best. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. You see them come back. Um, The real heroes are the foster parents because they literally take them into their families and knowing that they're not going to keep them and I, I'm not very good at that I've fostered throughout the years but it is very hard and they we have our dedicated foster groups that they will take in animals and take them for a long time as well and just mm-hmm. continue to work with them make them part of the family until they get adopted and it really does make a difference with a lot of our pets getting into a home because we can kind of give that information to a potential adopter of oh this dog is house trained this dog loves walks this dog hates thunderstorms things that we would not know if they were at the shelter and it really does help them find a better fit for adoption and um but yeah people get definitely get attached and we do follow up on especially our favorites uh and see how they're doing and we have people that will 
follow up with us and come by and see us and they'll, you know, just pop in with their pet and be like, hey, just wanted to say hello. And so we love that. We're always happy to see, you know, old friends. And it's funny, some of the dogs that get adopted will come back and be super excited to see us. And then there's others that's like, I never knew you. I don't know who you want to get away from me, you know. <laughs> they are like, uh, this, like my shelter life is done. I'm not going to admit that I was <laughs> ever there. I'm a pampered wow. pet now. I was never at a shelter. I don't know what you're talking about. So it's kind of funny the, the way it varies from pet to pet. But, yeah, we're wow. always excited for them to go. And, and our hearts break a little bit out of happiness if they get adopted. So that's okay. Huh. Well, you mentioned PetSmart uh, and taking dogs there. Is that like the outdoor thing that I saw? Or do companies like yeah. PetSmart actually, do they buy animals from the shelter or and then sell them no, to other so, people? Or um, how does that work? Yeah, so PetSmart has a charity. Uh, they have PetSmart charity, so they really support the animal welfare uh, movement. And so they take their animals. Um, so they'll have cats for adoption on hand, and those are all from rescues and shelters. And right. then uh, for the dog events that they have, those are all rescues and shelters as well. So they really... You know, they support rescue. They don't have breeder dogs there. Um, Petco, I believe, is the same. They do. We started working with them recently. They have Petco Love, which is a huge uh, um, support organization charity, and they do a lot of a lot of things for the animal welfare community. They they give out huge money grants as well as PetSmart. So definitely, if you're looking, you know, to support big chains that have pet stuff, those two are definitely you know, positive. They do good things. Um, they support animal welfare. They support shelters. So those are definitely ways to still, you know, if you got to, you know, you're going to have to buy pet supplies somewhere. And so, mm-hmm. you know, that's a way to do it where, you know, they're not getting a bunch of, you know, a bunch of puppy mill dogs there. They're, they're getting rescue dogs coming in and, and cats from shelters and things like that. So it, it does make a difference, you know, just to, to kind of be aware of who you shop with and, make sure that they're, you know, that that aligns with what, what's important to you. I was just thinking, um, is it illegal or just highly discouraged or is it uh, if someone, you know, or if you ever had instances where people will uh, adopt animals uh, and then resell them? Uh, I never thought about that till now, but... Uh... Is there a specific um, law against that, or is it just something There's that not a specific law against that. We used to, um, now with uh-huh. the animal crisis, with so many animals being displaced, um, I think if someone bought a dog or adopted a dog from us and tried to sell it, they're, they're going to be um, really surprised that it's not going to go anywhere. Because right now we have such a, just such an overwhelming amount of animals that don't have homes. And I, I think maybe, you know, maybe if it's a little cute, little fluffy dog, but we rarely get those in nowadays and the ones that we do get i mean they get adopted very quickly and usually it's a it's somebody that's been looking for a while so and, and so that may have been something in the past but i think now just there's the the pet homes are just you know people are just flooded with animals that people don't want so i don't really think they'd be able to but i know that does happen in other areas where you know the the laws are lax and people will get animals and flip them because people do that um in this area, I don't think they're going to get far with it. Yeah. 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 Okay. And you'd recognize somebody if they came back, you know, and started adopting, wanting to adopt too many animals. You'd be like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Something wrong here. You know, yeah. And we do, like, we do have people that come in and they'll want to get, you know, more than one. And we really try to just have a good conversation with them and make sure, is this, you know, number one, you sure you want more than one at a time and what's their home circumstance and, you know, trying to make sure that it's legitimate and that it's a good fit. You know, people sometimes will just let their hearts 
get ahead of their heads, and so we we want to make sure, you know, hey, you sure, you, you know, we know you love all these animals, but you probably don't want to adopt 10 dogs at one time, so. Yeah, I won't think, or neither 101 Dalmatians. Um, Pianchi's going <laughs> yeah. to him. Yeah. I got one question, though, first. Um, is there any regulation mm-hmm. of the supply of pets uh, at, the, at the breeder end of it, um, or is it just a wide-open market, um, or, or like some of the pet stores and things? Can they just breed as many animals as they can? and try to sell them, or is there any kind of control knowing that we have a pet explosion in the country right now? I don't really know all the details. I know that's through the Department of Agriculture, and I don't know that there's a, a, a limit on what they can have. I don't really think there is. Um, I know okay. when they, they do get inspections and all that, but I think overall those laws are pretty lax. Otherwise, we wouldn't have the problems that we do, particularly like with the puppy mills. There's a, you know, mm-hmm. up further north, it's a huge problem, and it filters down everywhere, and that's and then in addition to the puppy mills, you're now seeing a doodle explosion, and so we are seeing these doodles everywhere. Shelters are getting inundated with them, and it's because people think, oh, you know, a designer dog can make a quick buck, and then when people take these dogs home, they've got to be, you know, groomed every four to six weeks, and there's a lot more to it than just a cute, adorable dog. There's a lot what of, big. you know. Yeah, and a lot of care that goes into them because of their coats. And if you don't stay on top of that, the dog's going to have severe skin issues. They're going to smell. And then people are not realizing that and getting these fancy dogs for who knows how much they're paying for them and then dumping them. So that's that's becoming a huge problem. I'm seeing them everywhere just in our area alone. But it's uh, I've seen a lot of the shelters across the country have been having a huge amount of doodles. So. Hmm. It's a vanity dog. You know, you don't get a dog for vanity. You don't do it to make yourself look good or look cool. You do it because you really want a dog. And I think people, exactly. you know, fall. it's like people that have uh, kids because, uh, you know, they think they should, you know, or they'll, they'll make them look <laughs> yeah. good or, or it'll save the marriage or all kinds of other stupid. No, you have kids because you want kids, you know, and yeah. uh, so interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, again, the psychology in a bit. Let me see what uh, is on Pianchi's mind. Hey, Pianchi, you missed yesterday. I was talking to myself for three hours. <laughs> How you doing, dude? <laughs> You do that on your best of days, so oh, nothing wrong with that. Oh, I was just listening to the, the your your guest, your reporter, explain oh, her business operation. She's part of the family now. Yeah, she's uh, you, you know you yeah, you, it sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you have a question? Oh no, I was just listening. I have questions oh. later on when oh, okay, the show progress, but. Uh, oh. I figure you call no, into the something, something pressing on your mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, feel free to jump in. Yeah. Um, I, I usually, you know, we've, we've had folks that, because uh, we don't want to tie up all the lines, but people sometimes, you know, will call in and just listen to the show by calling in. And the best thing to do, uh, Pianchi's different because he would join the conversation um, several times, which is which is great because I love having him on. But uh, some folks would just call and listen and, and tie up lines and not say anything. It's like, no, listen online, blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action. Please listen online. All right. Well, let's um, – where else can we go today? So what do we got coming up? We've got the holidays coming up. We've got colder weather coming up. We've got yeah. – uh, we don't feed we don't feed turkey to the to the dogs, you know, or the cats, or do we? What's, uh, what's, uh, what's, we're what's, not going to turkey. So well, uh, for yeah. upcoming events, we've got lots uh-huh. of events in October. Every Saturday we're going to be out doing something. Um, this weekend we're going to be in Pensacola at – Holy Episcopal Church, they're having a craft fair, and they've invited us, so we're going to take some puppies out. Uh, On the 14th, we're going to be at PetSmart again, doing an event there. Uh, October 21st, we're going to be in Petco in Pensacola, Florida, and we're going to do an event there. October 28th, there's a local American Legion right around the corner, and they're going to have a little Halloween event, so we're going to attend that. 
And then the big event at the end of the month, October 29th, will be Barktoberfest, and that's a fun event. And it's just Bark- if you're and, yeah, if you're an animal fan, you or just like dogs, if you like dogs at all, and you don't even have to bring your dog, you just come and dogs everywhere, adorable dogs, tons of vendors, lots of food vendors, lots of animal-related vendors. It's a really, really fun time, and I think that it's moved back to Seville um, Park instead of Maritime Park, if I'm not mistaken, but it's a big mm-hmm. event. It's put on by the Pensacola Humane Society. They do an awesome job, and it's a lot of fun, so uh, it's I think from like 9 till 4 on Sunday, October 29th. So I would encourage anybody, if they don't have anything going on, to go check it out if they've never been. It is a lot of fun. They have a costume contest, and you will see some crazy, awesome costumes where you've got pets dressed up as like a team costume with their owners. Oh, you dress up your pet. Oh, okay. I was kind of curious how this works. Well, a lot of people will dress up themselves. So one year when we went, um, (laughs) there was a – a couple of teenagers, I guess they had the, uh, what do you call those guys, the Chinese crested, so they got the wild hair, but then they're hairless, but they've got the poof, it's called the powder puff, the little poof of the, uh, on their head. And uh-huh. anyway, so they dressed up as Kiss, so they dressed themselves up as oh, Kiss, oh no. you know, the band, oh, no. and then the dog, it was, oh, no. oh, it was oh, the, band? It's okay. the most hilarious thing I've ever seen, it was the best the best ever so you'll see some really original costumes there and it's it's a lot of fun so i would encourage people to come check it out and they'll have a blast huh we have um, um, well no I, I i everything you say causes me at least three questions but which is kind of fun <laughs> um we have, speaking of, of dressing dogs up, I found a, mm-hmm. a post, and for some reason, because I always post these things on our Action Radio Comedy Freedom Frontier, uh, where I found a lot of posts for you. There's <laughs> some really funny dog humor on there. Mm-hmm. Um, but what was interesting was somebody for some kind of wine festival, I think it was, they, mm-hmm. they dyed a doodle, <laughs> one, of the, one of the many kinds of doodles, purple. So oh, my goodness. That, oh, it's, it's really bad. And they cut the hair in, in, in the shape of uh, grape, grape clusters, whatever those things oh, are called. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah, it's pretty bad. Oh, that's so a it's, lot of work. It's, it's a purple dog, and it's a bright purple. It's not like a great purple. It's a bright purple. So it's right there mm-hmm. on the Action Radio Comedy Freedom Frontier, one of our uh, – it's, it's our, I think, our most amusing group. There's a lot of pretty raunchy stuff there. I mean, we do get carried away. Um, but mm-hmm. there's there's tons of dog humor. Uh, I don't know if you saw the one where they had uh, – it's like, and here's the quality control for our seeing-eye dogs. And they had the seeing-eye dog has to walk a blind person down a ramp, and there's, like, cats on, <laughs> on either side screaming and laughing and yelling and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, oh, no. that's there. Oh, I haven't seen that one. That's cute. Oh, yeah, yeah. you got to take a look. But uh, you can really go overboard with this stuff. You know, you don't want to hurt the animal. I mean, but this is, I don't know, do dogs get humiliated? I mean, do they know when they're being made fun of? I mean, emotionally, I never thought about this. Um, but if you, if you dye a dog purple and everybody starts by pointing and laughing, does the dog, does they, they've got to notice this. I mean, you know, maybe they do because, you know, if you take your dog, which I'm sure many people can attest to this, my dogs don't get groomed because they're just short-haired dogs, but if Uh you have dogs that get groomed, when they come back from the groomers, they're kind of sporting a little bit of an attitude. They walk with a little... With a little skip in their step, yeah, it's like they know they okay. look good. They're like, hey, I just got a haircut, you know, uh-huh. and that could be, you know, us projecting, but I really do think that they, like, they're like, I'm fresh and clean, look, check me out. So, you know, if someone's bringing extra attention to them, hey, you never know. They might, as long as they're getting attention, some dogs don't care. It's like, as long as you're oh, okay. paying attention to me, whatever. But I don't know, there are certain dogs that might have a little, you know, be like, hey, uh, this is beneath me, please. I don't think this is, you know, what I'm here for. We need a test. What we need to do 
is to get an ungreen, ungroomed, uh, just regular standard Bichon Frise, right? Uh, mm-hmm. and, 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 and one that's been completely poofed out, you know, with, with the blow-dry hair and, and the, 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 the everything. And just put them in the same place mm-hmm. and just see which, one, see which one has the attitude. That would be hysterical. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. you know, I'm in animal psychology as well as any, every other kind of psychology. That would be funny. That would be uh, a fascinating thing to see. But, yeah, I wonder about animals like that. Of course, some might enjoy it. They might, you know, animals love attention. So why wouldn't mm-hmm. they like, you know, being purple? You know, be like and that could be dog. it. That could be like, oh, people are paying more attention to me because I just got back from the groomers and that's what they're picking up on. But uh-huh. I don't know. It's the, you know, maybe it's the same thing with people. You go get your hair done and it's very relaxing and you feel fresh and clean. You've got a, a new do. Maybe it's the same thing th- for the dogs. They're like, oh, I feel so good. I just got a nice bath. Well, yeah, it makes massage. sense. You know, yeah. yeah. yeah so like they're all spa. relaxed, and when they, when they, when the mom comes to pick them up, she's fawning over them. Oh my God, look how pretty you look! You and look they're like, Hey, yeah. this is a nice cool. day. All right, I must yeah. look great. So yeah. yeah. Once they don't get the cucumbers on the eyes, I think they're probably happy. <laughs> yeah. No bacon, please. That way I can eat it after. Oh, bacon on the eyes? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Easy on the eyes. Okay. Yeah. How about a mud bath? I mean, you can put a, put like a. Oh well, they. <laughs> big... Yeah, I think they do those themselves at home. So. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. Oh, okay, that sounds good. All right. Um. So so cats. We haven't talked about cats for a while. Um. So Halloween. Yeah. Let's talk about so, cats and Halloween. Uh, because we don't okay, want people, we don't want rituals and, yeah, how do you yeah, protect your so cats? Yeah, if so you're, if you're able to put your cats up, you know, put your cats up for Halloween. And we've always, we actually, um, you know, when I first started here many years ago, we would not adopt out black or orange cats during the Halloween period. Um, we've, we've switched that up now because we, we, you know, we do a little more research on things and whatnot, but we try to make sure that we're just making sure, like, it's a legitimate application and we're just encouraging people, you know, put all your pets up for Halloween because there's going to be people dressed up and running the streets and probably, you know, kids are going to be out and about. Number one, your dog could get scared and bite someone, so let's put them up. But for the cats, yeah, definitely just just put them up for the night. It's You know, even if they're an outdoor cat, it, it won't kill them to stay inside for the night and just for their safety. Uh, we haven't had you know any bad reports of late of anything but we have had them in the past you know we have seen some not pleasant things in the past so we just encourage oh, people to killed. just make sure your pets are I've, safe. I've yeah, known people so. who've lost cats at halloween it's like you didn't keep yeah. your cat inside you know well we just let it out for a few minutes and it wandered yeah, off it's, or just, it's like, not and worth it just put them inside so, yeah. yeah put them inside oh. for the night it's not going to hurt them they might whine and complain about it but they'll be okay and then you know you can let them out you can let them out after just Put them inside, put your litter box inside, and, you know, just keep them safe. Because although we don't want to think that there are things like that out there that happens, things like that do happen, on you know, sometimes. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> not thinking so we just about want to make it sure isn't going to make it go safe. away. Yeah, exactly. You, you, so just, you yeah. know, oh. it's, it's the whole better safe than sorry. You know, put them inside, keep them safe. If there's a, mm-hmm. you know, just like with Fourth of July, your dog may not have a big reaction, but don't take the chance. Put them inside. And there will be so many kids out and, you know, your animals, even if no person tries to harm them, a kid could spook them or something with all the masks and, you know, mm-hmm. running around and all the activity. It just may be that your animal gets creeped out and runs off. So if for no other reason, just to keep them, you know, just keep them out of harm's way, bring them in. Do people take their dogs yeah, trick-or-treating dogs, with uh, them? Some people do take their dogs trick-or-treating. Um, 
sometimes they're part of the, the family costume, so it's very cute. But, again, always make sure you have tags on your pet. That way if they get loose. If you have a super calm dog and they're, you're able to bring them with, then that's great. But, you know, just be mindful there's a lot of activity going on. So the same as when you take an animal to, you know, a new place or a public outing, you want to, number one, make sure you have control of your pet, make sure you have a good collar and leash on that they can't get out of, and make sure they are tagged. So if they do get loose, we can, you know, people can get them back to their owners and then, you know, just make sure that they know how to behave in public. If you take a dog that's unruly and that's going to bark and go crazy, it's not going to be a pleasant experience for them or for you. So just keep things in mind. But, yeah, it's great to take your pet out um, and do things with you, even Halloween. And as long as you're putting them in, you know, costumes that are safe for them, I think it's pretty cool. Hmm. Jackie, you had a question? Well, the legend is that on Halloween, the witches come out because they're not easily detected. And they're looking to steal black cats. Yeah, like I say, I've, I've known cases where animals have disappeared. And uh, are kids still doing that? Do they still think that way, or is it, are they more concerned with their cell phones and other things now? I don't know. You know, I, I just don't even see that there's as many children um, trick or treating as there used to be, or maybe they go to sponsored events now but like in my neighborhood when I first moved in about five years ago there's tons of kids everywhere I was excited I was like oh look kids playing in the streets that's pretty cool and then so my first Halloween I was all excited I dressed up I dressed up the dog we were waiting with our candy not a single trick-or-treater and I've not had one in the whole time I've lived there and it's heavily populated area with children and I I don't know if they're just not into Halloween anymore or if they just go to like you know trunk or tree events where you know, it's because today it's not as safe as it was, you know, obviously when we were children when you could just go out and when we used to go trick-or-treating, we'd go home and change our costume and go back out with our friends and make mm-hmm. the rounds again. I mean, it was not a big deal to do that, whereas now, obviously, I'm sure that you can't just send your kids out alone. You have to be present with them, and so maybe it's easier for the families just to go to a sponsored event where everybody kind of knows what's going on but it's kind of sad because trick or, you know trick or treating is fun and it's, it's great to see the kids get out and have fun with their costumes and whatnot but i think it's a little different so yeah i was speaking of the witch thing and i don't uh-huh. know if this was i don't know if this is something you mentioned or if i read it somewhere i'm not real sure but about the witches with cats so i guess uh one of the ways they think that got started was back in the day with the plague so um, women who were alone and had cats didn't get affected by the plague because the plague would, the, the uh, what do you call them, the fleas would get on the cats instead of the people. So they were seeing these ladies who didn't get affected by the plague that had a bunch of cats, and they were like, oh, they must be witches because they're not getting sick, when in fact they just had cats, and the cats were basically taking on the fleas. So it was kind of an interesting little article. It, 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 I can't remember... Where I saw that at. But anyway, so the whole premise of, you know, women with cats and being witches, it was more the cats protected them from getting sick, and people just assumed they were witches because they didn't get sick. So it was kind of neat. So they were protected from getting sick, but they were killed because they were witches, right? I mean, that's just, well, yeah. that's just history. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. They were, yeah, they were women, and, you know, so. Yeah. Jackie, what do you know about but this? I thought Black cats and Halloween and stuff. Well, yeah. it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's a saying. It's a legend. That, uh, only certain people today in this society, age, only certain people know. 
I mean, it's not that the reason you don't know because you didn't live during that time. Yeah. Well, none of yeah, and a lot, lot of people. Have, <laughs> a lot of them have yeah. to it. Yeah, and a lot of people still don't like uh, black cats to this day. A lot of people, when we see people come in to adopt, if the cat's black, they will pass them over. Oh, yeah, and if a cat cross your path, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of belief to that. Mm -hmm. Not to take from your show, but I'm just going to leave with this. When you have so many people talking about something, Uh all those people can't be lying. Well, or they could all be mistaken, but they may not be lying, but they may actually believe it. But you know what's interesting? Next Friday is Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh. So <laughs> this is, if you want to do some research on this, Charlie, this might be an interesting topic of animals, rituals, Friday the 13th, horror stuff, Halloween, anything like that. You know, protect your animals from this because. So uh, is, is that a bad day for animals, especially black cats? Just yeah, Friday the, yeah, Friday the 13th would be another day I would definitely keep my pets in just to be on the safe side. I mean, there are okay. there are instances in the past here where we have had terrible things happen to pets. Um, I'm not going to say it mm-hmm. happens all the time because it doesn't, but, you know, I've been here about 22 years, and I know our officer has, has seen something, our animal control mm-hmm. supervisor. She's been here a long time as well, and we've had some, you know, it doesn't happen, like I said. It's it's not the norm. It's it's definitely not, but there are some, there are some really disturbing things that happen to pets because, you know, people are just, <laughs> people have problems, and along the the sacrificial thing, yes, we have seen that in the past. So, yeah, anything where it's like Halloween, uh, Friday the 13th, any kind of solstice, like where the equinox happens, put your place right. up just to be safe. Yeah. Like, don't we take just a had chance. That. Yeah, September 21st. Yeah, yeah so just huh. put the pets up. It's just easier that way. You just don't have to worry. So it's always, and, you know, 4th of July, anything where they could be in danger, just bring mm-hmm. them in for the night. It, it won't hurt anything just to have them in overnight, just to make sure. Better safe than sorry. Yeah, yeah. We better get your contact information because Derek's going to join us in about a minute here. All right. So um, so Santa Rosa County Animal Services, we are at 4451 Pine Forest Road, Milton, Florida. Our number is 850-983-4680. You can check out our website at santarosa.fl.gov slash animals. You can go to our Facebook or Instagram pages, and you can also come visit us. We are here 11.30 till 4.30 for adoptions, Monday through Friday. Wednesdays is our late day until 6.30, and Saturdays 10 until 3.30. Mm. And next week we can do a voodoo and a Santeria report. <laughs> Sorry. I just, yes, we'll be glad uh, to. <laughs> yeah, that'd be really interesting. Okay, well, we got to, we can vamp a little bit. Uh, I just want to make sure we got that in. I'm sure Derek's going to join us soon because soon of the economy. I have tons of questions on that. And Pianchi always joins me for that, too, so that's pretty good. Uh, any Anything else happening in animal world? Any birdies? We don't talk about birdies uh, enough. You know what? We haven't gotten any birds. I know there's been um, a lot of birds in our community that have been getting loose. I, we uh, Somebody contacted us about a beautiful cockatoo that got loose, and oh. they were able to find someone to hang on to it. And But I thought for sure somebody's missing this gorgeous bird, and it took a while for mm-hmm. us to actually find the potential owner, so it's very surprising. But um, we, we do have the loss. That's one another thing to encourage people. You know, if you're missing your pet, make or if you find a pet, make sure that you go to Facebook and post that animal because a lot of times it could be your neighbor's pet and instead of maybe bringing it all the way to the shelter that's 15 miles away from where you live it could live five doors down so posting that pet will maybe get them home a lot faster 
Yeah. I'll tell you next week about a, a, a wild flock of birds in San Francisco that my daughter and I used to uh, visit with. Uh, it's pretty, pretty incredible. But Derek's here. So thank you very much. Um, this All right. Great. And who thought we were going to talk about this today about, you know, Halloween and cats and everything else. I mean, you never know where we're going to go. So I appreciate it. Yeah. It's always fun. Well, you guys have a great weekend. Bye-bye. All right. You, you take care. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities. And then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park, our Action Radio financial reporter, joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets and your money. Yes, and it's a full house today. We are reporters from start to finish, and our guest at the end of the show uh, is Andy Ross, entrepreneur, musician, and all-around uh, American guy. Anyway, so Derek, how you doing? Good. How, how about you? Having way too much fun. <laughs> this, is, this is a good day. Like I said, yesterday, <laughs> I was all on my own, uh, and so I, well, I did play an interview, uh, one of my classic ones from earlier, um, but it was just, it was a big monologue, so it's kind of nice to have a, have a change. So let me ask you the question of the day. This is, this is the, the mm-hmm. urgent one. We'll be taking this up Monday with, uh, with Jonathan as well. Um, do you think Trump should be speaker? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. thing here. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if he is, um, what's that going to do? What would that do to the financial markets? I mean, are, are they speculating about this? He's going to apparently he's going to meet with the House Tuesday, uh, and yeah. it's got to affect the market somehow, especially all the woke corporations. I mean, this, this could be really interesting. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's a, it's kind of something that's that's a wild card. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I mean, how how is it going to affect the markets? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say. Probably positively, you know, I mean, okay. maybe negatively right off the gate, you know, but, um, you know, as, as before, I mean, the, the economy, um, you know, under under him was, was much, much, much better. You know, what I mean, right. um, um, you know, even in a rising interest rate environment, it was much, much better, um, yeah. you know, which 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 did happen under him. You know, what I mean, well, so they, they were necessarily used that on the economy because they hate him. I think those those are intentional. Those are punishing rises. Nothing to do with the economy. That's just my personal yeah. belief. Well, well, it's it, it will slow down the economy, um, you yeah. know, especially where the rates are right now. I mean, Fed funds uh-huh. rate at five and a quarter. You know, I think personally in November, I mean, they're they're on the hook to raise it one more time. I would uh-huh. hope it if they didn't, but I just don't think that that's a possibility. Um, you know, so um, you know, we're going to be at five and a half percent. That puts home loans, you, you know, close to eight percent, seven and a half. Um, you know, car loans at seven, seven and a half. I mean, credit cards are uh-huh. over twenty. You know what I mean? Yep. So it, it's forcing it's forcing everybody to to buckle down. Um, and I think the effects of that uh, are are while they were taking hold before, I think they're they're much more accelerated now. Um, I yeah. saw another article like a couple of days ago. I want to say it was that says housing market has seen the biggest decrease it has in like three years. Um, wow. They've seen an average of of a reduction in ten percent across the board now. You know so. Um, you know, some places it said 5%, but they're very isolate, um, you know, and those would be big markets like Hawaii, Honolulu, ones that have giant rental market, um, you know, so. Why is Hawaii um, the large general rental market? Yeah. That's, that struck me when you said that, that Hawaii has a huge rental market? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about like your your condos and things like that, you know, your Airbnbs, 
um, you know, um, huh. um, even short-term rentals, you know what I mean, in, in um, travel destinations. You know, those, those oh, places okay. tend to don't see movement in house prices as quick. Huh. I was wondering if there's a reason Hawaii in particular had more rentals than other places because it takes a while to get there. You know, you got to fly there. You know, and I'm oh, just, I don't know I'm, that I'd they be, have more curious. rentals. I'm just, yeah, I'm just saying that the rental, rental market, market is yeah. is alive and well. You know, huh? Oh, that makes sense. Okay, um, but I was just sort of thinking. You know, I'm going to be. I have, I've been collecting uh, points for a Substack article I'll be releasing after the show. Um, but uh, well, once I write the article, but some of the things that, that occurred to me is he could actually implement his old plan and hold the government hostage and say, "Look, I'm not going to. We're not going to have any spending. We're going to shut the government down unless the Senate, you know, goes along with." You know, bringing back fracking, <laughs> opening up the, the the western lands to oil exploration, to you know, and they've even got Brandon building the wall right now. So I think this could be a fascinating yeah. development. Or, or if you said we're not going to borrow any more money, I mean, this is my goal, right? To have a constitutional amendment. But what if Trump said, I'm, I'm not going to pass a budget. I'm not going to bring a budget to the floor of the House unless there's no borrowing in it. I mean, he could do that as Speaker. Well, I mean, there you have to understand, you know, where we're at now. I mean, um, okay. yes, I agree with that. If he was to do stuff like that, yeah, the market would probably react negatively um, because, really? you know, if he's just going to shut the government down, huh. you, that would eventually be good. But shutting the government down, that doesn't look good for for you know our our bondholders. You know, well, so, have to shut the um, government down. They could just stop borrowing, and that would lead to the bondholders, wouldn't it? Or do they want the more bonds? Well, you used the word government shutdown, so that's what I went after. Oh, I did. No, no, no. I, I'm just, I'm just, re, I'm just, you know, pursuing this line of 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 inquiry. Yeah. You know, because well, I mean, I, I heard. You know, um, uh-huh. you know it's it's not I heard, but you know, a lot of people they don't what we're doing right now the uh, continuing resolution with our with our debt and our budget, right? Right. What a continuing resolution means is that uh, all we're going to do is keep doing stuff the exact same way that we're doing now, right? Mm-hmm. We're we're yep. going to, you know, whatever we're doing dollar for dollar, you know, so all they're doing is just kicking the can down the road. And I know they're doing that so they can have more control and help making more things. But, you know, the bottom line is um, – and this is, you know, I mean, it, you know, a lot of people called called Matt Getz crazy because he was, uh, you know, he was trying to oust McCarthy. But really, all he was trying to say is, hey, we need to get this debt under control, right? Mm-hmm. We can't yep. just continuing the resolution and keep kicking the can down the road. He's like, we got to do something about this, right? Mm. You know, so. I I think you know I mean while people don't necessarily like the guy I mean I like what he's doing with that aspect you know I mean mm-hmm. like I would say that 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 part of what he's trying to do I would totally agree with because it's a uh, you know he's basically saying hey we can't we're we're not doing the the American public justice by kicking the can down the road. Well, the problem with the continuing resolutions, they talk about a clean bill. There's nothing clean about them. They are just as pork-filled as the previous continuing resolutions. So they're actually the dirty, right. disgusting, pork-filled continuing resolutions. Yeah. And I wish the, 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 the gelding Republicans would characterize them as such because that is the worst thing for the government. In fact, the entire time Gates has been there. You know, he, he started in Congress about two months before I started at WBY. So this is back 2017. And so we're talking six years now of nothing but continuing resolutions. They don't have appropriations anymore. I would think that the market would react better to, to uh, honestly evaluated and considered appropriations bills over continuing, continuing resolutions. That's what, you know, that would make more sense to me. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Okay. I mean, I, well, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
just on, on an action radio personal note, I did write Matt Gates again, once again, inviting him back to the show again and saying that uh, restating, you know, he, he called when I met him and actually gave him our bill on a constitutional amendment to stop Congress borrowing money. He said, he said to the crowd, he's, he's trying to make fun of me, right? So he looks at all like the three or 400 people who are there uh, at this rally. He says, well, Greg never lets realism get in the way of an idea. And I'm like, ha, 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 ho, 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 he, 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 isn't that funny? Well, now I wrote him back. And, you know, <laughs> I, I said, this idea doesn't look so uh, unrealistic now, does it? I said, tell me what's more realistic than this. The most realistic thing you can do is stop Congress borrowing money. That will answer every one of your questions. It'll stop the continuing right. resolutions because they have borrowing in them. It'll stop. Uh, it'll put the appropriations bills in order. It'll do all the other things we've talked about before. Pianchi, what do you think? Well, it's not that easy. Because, I didn't say it was uh, easy. Well, that's good. <laughs> that, that's Greg, you got to let do. your guests speak. You keep I'm cutting sorry. them off. Oh. Now, the 2% bonds that the United States received are lent to those that lent their money. And if the Fed raised the interest rate up to 5%, well, those that's holding 2% bonds are going to want to cash them in, even at the expense of losing some of their principal, because 2% is not as good as 5%. So when they cash them in, they got to have cash. they got to have money to pay them. I mean, I mean that's yeah, not if, right, you, if you're willing to lose. That's just not right, Derek. I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, if, if, if you know, they have a 2% bond and they're issuing 5% bonds, that 2% bond is lost value. So that would mean that they, they have to sell it now. What 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 normally they do is they hold it to duration, right? You know what I mean? Like because if you hold it to duration, whatever that duration is, you won't lose value. You get exactly what you paid for it. So, you know, they're under the gun if they have a, a bond that's less than five percent, they're under the gun to say, Hey, do I wanna sell this at a loss and swap out and get me a five percent bond or do I just wanna hang on to it and continue buying five percent bonds? You know what I mean? I would never advise any of my clients to sell a bond at a discount, um, you know, to pick up a bond at par value, um, you know, and, and that basically means selling or selling one, you know, that's that's lost value and buying one that's 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 on on par or average value. Um, I would never advise anybody to do that. Just hold the bond. We'll look for cash in other places. Um, and this is why we diversify. This is why we have things in, in other products. So I can say, okay, hey, this one's not doing so good right now. We've got this other one over here that, that we can sell, you know, or unless taking a loss is the best thing to do. Sometimes, you know, with, with people that are higher income or people that have businesses, sometimes selling things at a loss is actually a good thing um, because you, you can, uh, you know, pit that against your income or other capital gains that you have. So, you know, that becomes a tax strategy at that point. Well, you might make money. Even if you make a small loss, you might make a greater gain. If that 5% um, treasury bond, you know, you hold it for longer at 5% than your other one at 2%. So I guess there's, there's a lot of that figuring you kind Absolutely. of project out. Yeah, okay, all right. And and I do plead guilty. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that's, a, that's a strategy that uh, that I don't know if you've, you can Google the name, and I, I can't remember the guy's name, the Bond King. You know, the guy that's basically saying, hey, we're, we're kind of in a, in a death spiral right now if we don't do something about the debt and, and you know, mm-hmm. printing money. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's how he became a billionaire um, is basically timing when the Fed's changing rates and buying products that, that, will, that will benefit from those rate changes. 
That's interesting. Yeah, I don't know who that is, but I know the person you're talking about. And I do plead guilty in interrupting. Uh, it's, uh, that's one of, that's one of the, probably the problems and perks of being a, of being the host that, uh, you know, as soon as I think of things, I immediately say them. So I'll, I'll try and watch that. But anyway, um, definitely guilty on that account. Uh, let's get to the report. Let's get the numbers, and then we can talk about some of the other things, uh, inflation, oil, unemployment, anything else that uh, is of interest now, and uh, the border wall, because <laughs> I'm really curious about that, too. So we'll, uh, all the sanctuary cities need sanctuary, apparently. So, so what's going on with the numbers, sir? All righty. Well, let's get started. This is uh, Derek with the Action Radio Financial Report. Equities finished the day little change. Stocks closed around the flat line on a quiet day from the headline perspective. U.S. initial job claims came in slightly below consensus, adding to the batch of this week's labor market readings. The consumer staple sector was a standout in declining by about 2% following a cut to the first quarter guidance uh, by Clorox related to cybersecurity incident that impaired operations. Most other sectors were a little changed of the day. Overseas, Asian, and European markets finished higher. Markets appear to be waiting mode ahead of tomorrow's employment report, which will pro- provide non-farm payrolls and unemployment rate for September. Uh, uh, Treasury yields finished the day lower with the 10-year closing at about 4.7%. U.S. equities closed lower, and the Dow Jones was down 10 points, or 0.03, to 33,120. NASDAQ closed down 16 points, or 0.12, to 13,220. And the S&P 500 closed down uh, 6 points, or 0.13, to 4,258. in the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was down a dollar eighty three or two point one seven percent to eighty two thirty nine and the spot price of gold was down uh, ten cents or point oh one to eighteen thirty four seventy This is Derek with the action radio financial report. You can get me at eight five zero nine nine five zero zero eight two hmm. Eighty-two bucks for oil. That's down. Uh, wasn't it like ninety it something, uh, uh, like uh, two or three weeks ago? It was. Yeah, it was hovering around huh. ninety bucks. Yeah. So, so I guess my, that's a, a little bit of a good thing. Well, it is. My pump bag is cheaper at <laughs> my local gas station. So I'm yeah. thinking, huh? How'd that happen? Because right. I was hearing reduced supply. And, you know, production's being cut back. You know, they they don't. You know, the 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 Brandon insurrection doesn't like oil anyway. They hate oil. So, uh, you know, they're trying mm-hmm. to push all this other stuff. So, so why? What accounts for this this uh, reduction? Is, is, are uh, are people not using anything, oil as or gasoline as much simply because if there's a recession that they're putting their money into you know food? What what accounts for this? You can think of, or you heard reported? Um, yeah, not not real sure. Huh? Not okay. not real sure. You know, so we'll I, I, I haven't seen we'll much have to guess I, other yeah. than. Uh-huh. Yeah, other than oil is losing value, I do know that uh, the market is set to take a beating today because that jobs report that they were talking about in there, um, right. the economy came in hot with, with more jobs. Um, you know, So that basically means that the labor market is a lot stronger than, than people anticipated. So right now it's showing the market's going to open uh, about 1% down. So why is more jobs a bad thing in the economy? Because everybody wants like it, it, it's almost like the market wants to hear bad news rather than good news, you know. Okay. Because that means Explain. that that, that uh, <laughs> no, and, and, 
it's it's terrible. I mean, like, and 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 this is, you know, this is what makes my job hard because people want us to 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 forecast where things are going, you know, and and try to deliver information, and that that is our job, right? Is to to, to help right. people build comfort with where the market is. Well, I I can't. It's so hard to guess right now because it's so foggy. Um, you know, when, huh. when data comes in data that would that would normally be like okay this is good well i would say about three or four months ago when bad data came in it was bad when good data came in it was good now we're kind of back to where we were at the beginning of the year when we were kind of looking at recession where good data comes in and it's bad and if bad data comes in it's good um you know so the market is perceiving it as um is bad you know so i don't know if it's going to stick throughout the day you know that's that's you know that's kind of been the theme is like you know yesterday the market got bad and then it goes back to even you know what i mean so it was just kind of an overheated overreaction and it could be like that today it's just you know we get this news that most of the time would be like oh great there's more jobs you know america's doing good and you know the market's like nah i don't want that <laughs> you know, so, now, this is counterintuitive. Um, this is why I think it's so interesting to pursue this, because you yeah. would think that more jobs mean more money, mean more spending, you know, consumer spending, not government spending. That's the, where the problem is. Um, but when people spend, they don't print their money to spend. You know, so you don't. You know, that's called counterfeiting. They go to jail. But people spend money right. that they make. And that's a good thing. The velocity of money, you know, money changing hands faster makes an economy grow. You know, labor right. plus finished plus, you know, raw materials equals finished goods equals wealth, you know, plus services and how, the, you know, the formula for wealth. So more jobs cr- should create a growing economy and more wealth. So it is counterintuitive for me that the market would say that fewer people, people, people working is somehow better unless the wages has something to do with it. Let me explore something here. So more people working. Uh, means that uh, you know, the, there are fewer jobs available, uh, which means people can be more discretionary in their jobs. They can say, well, we got, you know, or I don't know, how, how would that work? That uh, people, if wages go up because there are more jobs in demand, people go, okay, well, I'll work. I'm not going to mm-hmm. work for, you know, 12 bucks an hour. I'm going to work for 15. You know, is the, okay. uh, the lower unemployment pushing up wages and is that affecting the market? It's so what they work at. Well, I mean, I don't know that it's going to directly affect the market, no matter what they're working at. You know, I mean, it's really the the market looks at it as is a is a is a whole of mm-hmm. how many people are employed versus how many people are not employed, and you know, where is the labor market going in general? Um, mm-hmm. You know, that that's the way the market looks at it. You know, so really, you know, the the last year we had two negative quarters of of GDP. This year, so far, we haven't had any. You know, so um, it hasn't been great. You know, but I, I think last quarter we were up like two percent. You know, uh, of, of GDP growth, it, it, that is good. You know, but that's not necessarily recessionary. You know, so um, you know, it's it's the data that they're waiting on is okay. Labor market takes a hit, and then we start having negative quarters of GDP. That's that that is like according to the National Economic. Any BR, I can't remember exactly what it is, but Bohr mm-hmm. Zero. Um, right. Anywho, One of those, those people, yeah. <laughs> once the once the labor market has hit a certain point, then they're like, okay, yeah, we're in recession now. You know, so um, you know, it's just kind of waiting, waiting on, waiting on the word, I guess. 
Yeah, this is weird. I remember hearing some economic statistics say that uh, 4% unemployment is 0%. So they're ideal, just like 2% inflation, or which used to be 3%. The Fed used to say that, you know, that we can take 3% of everybody's value of their money, and that's okay. But then the people got upset with that. They said, well, okay, we'll just go for 2%. You know, unemployment, 4%. Because if they have a certain level of unemployment, then wages will, will actually drop because people are worried about their jobs. They're willing to work for less. So the lower the unemployment, uh, the greater the amount of money that workers can demand for working because, you know, they need, they need those jobs filled. There aren't that many people out there looking for jobs. More people have jobs. Um, that's, how I, that's how I've heard it. So worker participation rate, is that going up? And is it going up because the COVID um, money's gone? People, you know, they have to work now. They don't get all those all their extra benefits to sit on their butts like they used to during COVID. I don't know an exact statistic, but that holds water. <laughs> so, you okay. know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Huh. So they're not worried about the workers. They're not worried about the number of people employed. What they're really worried about is the wages going up and the cost of labor to corporations. That's, huh. that's, that's kind of it. Yeah. Okay. Pianchi, what do you think? Does that make sense? Well, well, the country don't produce. See, if, if you're making money in service jobs, right? But it's not like it was early on, coming out of the depression when agriculture was the big thing because it, we, we was feeding the world. The world was willing to buy, but mm-hmm. we don't. The United States don't produce nothing anymore. It's just like I tell people: give me reparations. Well, you can have reparations, but Sooner or later, you'd be right back in your same predicament because you don't know how to produce. You won't look at two people that know how to produce, Warren Buffett and Charlie Younger. He won't cash in his 2% bonds because he knows he bought them for long term. So he'll buy some 5% bonds for 10 years. Sooner or later, his 2% bonds will come due, and he'll you know, get all his principles with 2% because he's producing. Hmm. Okay. That makes sense. All right. Um, I'm thinking something really significant happened. I don't know if it applies to the market or not, but uh, the Brandon folks reversed a longstanding policy. I don't know if it's just for the election or because their policy has actually affected Democrats profoundly in ways that they never expected. So they wanted to bring in all the people they could into this country, millions, literally, what, 10 to 15 million, depending on estimates. And all of a sudden, these folks are in New York, and they're in Los Angeles, and they're in San Francisco, and they're in Detroit, and these places all over the country, and they can't handle this influx of people. And so it looks like the Democrats are saying to the Democrats, you can't do this. We, we wanted sanctuary cities, but we didn't expect anybody to show up. Now that they are showing up, we don't want to be sanctuary cities anymore. Is it so bad that they've, uh, that they've done this? And it, it's got to have an economic effect. You know, these cities, they can't afford you know, 100,000 people a week <laughs> dropping into their city or whatever it is. Um, is that, has the market looked at that at all? And, it, it, you know, because there's a huge change. They've actually reversed their policy. They've adopted Trump policy. Uh, and so they may be just for the election, uh, or it may be because the policy was so bad that even the Democrats don't like the Democrat policy. And it's affecting mm-hmm. everything. The cost, uh, you know, and are we going to have to bail out New York again if they go bankrupt with illegals that, uh, that the Brandon folks brought in? Are they going to have to bail out their own policy? You know, are people looking at that? Because we've got too many people that shouldn't be here. They may want Trump. Oh, I'm sure they are. But get out of here. (laughs) Is the market looking at it? No. I mean, you know, would the the market look at it if there was 
some types of effect to goods and services, sure, yeah. You know, I mean, the market, the market, you have to understand it's forward looking. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So, you know, right. the market is anticipating things that are happening in the future or attempting to to anticipate that. So, you know, I mean, while these things are, you know, issues that we're having, I mean, they don't directly impact the market, I would say, as a whole. Now, are there statistics that would show that there are, you know, small areas that are seeing an impact? Yeah, I would, I would assume so. Hmm. Do you think the market would look forward to another four years? Uh, the same as the the, pre- the previous four years under Brandon. Oh um, no, because <laughs> okay. we technically already had two two bad years. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't want to say two bad years, but you know, twenty twenty one, you know, was a was an okay year. You know, I mean, it was fairly positive, so you know, nothing bad. Uh, twenty twenty two, you know, however, was a was a market correction. Twenty twenty one. You know, or 2023 so far was was looking good up until about two months ago. You know, two months ago, um, you know, S&P 500 is chewed up mm, at least, you know, a little over a third of what it had made for the year. You know, so, um, you know, and and that's normal. I mean, it's normal for it to kind of go backwards like that and then kind of kind of drift forward, you know, but, uh, um, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's it's. It's not good to to explain to people who've already seen a year of pain, you know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, okay, great, another year of pain. So it's basically two lost years of of performance, you know, by, by, you know, economic downturn. Mm -hmm. So there's nothing in it for the market for for having Brandon stick around or Democrat policies in general or what I would call – a lot of people are calling Obama's third term. So to give Obama a fourth term could really do a number on the economy. I mean, I would think they would want, you know, oil produced here, uh, you know, a growing economy, more jobs, you know, the jobs that would uh, so many jobs that people uh, that it actually does improve the system, that there is, you know, a big uh, uh, the, the, the increase in people working is a good thing. I mean, what, what's the worker participation rate? How's that doing these days? Or, or that uh, what was that, that scary that. number you have? Yeah. OK. You have, you have the scary uh, index, I, too. What's that one? <laughs> the big the volatility. Yeah. Well, that's that's up five percent this morning. It was up about seven. It's down to about four point six. It spiked. It was uh, it was holding holding at the hard line this morning, waiting on that data, and then it shot up. So um, you know the volatility index over the past, uh, let's say the past month. Let's get six months now. Six months, it's actually even um, or pretty close to it. But the last month, it's up thirty four percent. The volatility huh. so, index. Which means what exactly? In terms that, of looking that, at future that stuff, the market over the past month has taken a beating. You know that right, that uh, right. you know the 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 volatility in sales. You know, I mean, uh, that means that the sales on the market are, excuse me, outweighing the buys. Huh. Interesting. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't. It, it's one of those days where there's nothing really, really pressing economically. Um, let me let's have, let's have a little fun here. Let's bring Candy Pettycart, who is uh, who is our, our uh, black mama bear of guns. <laughs> we actually gave her that title. We were talking about this off the air, which is kind of funny. Uh, we're, we're shameless here. We're we're blunt, bold. Candy, do you have any economic questions for Derek? Because you're going to be following uh, his report. So if you want to think of something, uh, uh, you know, before you, you join the show. But uh, anything on your mind economically? How about the economy of guns? Um, I mean, how are the gun manufacturers doing? Yeah, how are the gun manufacturers doing? That's a good question. Okay, well, let's go with that one. <laughs> Derek, it's, uh, 
Let me look at Smith and Wesson. Let's see here. Okay. <laughs> and then I'll look at Ruger. I know those those Isn't are all fun? publicly traded, so we'll Yeah. We'll take a look at them. So mm, not as good as they were in 2020. <laughs> when well, COVID yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. So has So no, so here's a problem. Um, <laughs> all right. They're trading uh, – they're not trading at a 52-week low. So, I mean, if you're looking at it from a year's perspective, they're doing all right. Uh, they've got a pretty good dividend. Smith & Wesson does. Um, you know, it's about 3.5%. Um, so it's doing good. Um, let's see, Ruger. Um, all right. Ruger. Where is Ruger at? I, I'm going to ask this on. question. This is kind of interesting now. <laughs> I mean, who's fine? Right? You know, we're, yeah, we're pretty spontaneous around here. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm curious. Ruger's almost the same as uh, as as Smith and Wesson. It's tra- trading trading above its 52 week uh, above its 52 week low. Not by much, about 10 percent, mm-hmm. and they have about a 3 percent dividend. And I think so those are the only public traded ones. Not Glock. Not. Uh, um, no, we'll go to the six hour. If they yeah. do, if they do, it's going to be on, um, you know, oh, it's going to be on, market? on theirs. Or, yeah, but yeah, on, a, on a European stock market. Yeah, we checked for Glock <laughs> there. Yeah. And I think uh, six hours is Swiss, uh, Swiss, aren't they? Six hour? Um, Swiss I'm not sure. Okay. To be well, honest. kind of fun. Well, here's what, uh, this is a question for, for Candy and, and Derek. Derek has to go in like a couple of minutes. Um, because I'm thinking that everybody who was worried about Brandon, you know, doing things to take away our gun rights, which they're continually doing, we all need that going in. I mean, he's got a track record of being a fascist gun grabber. And so would people have not bought their guns at the beginning of the Brandon insurrection, you know, back in 2020, 2021, you know, after January 6th? They did. All right. So a lot of people bought guns. Um, early. So, <laughs> I was going to say they did. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah. I know I did. So, okay, all right, yeah, go ahead. You saw a spike in 2021. You right, saw Derek? a spike in, in gun buys in, um, starting the summer the summer of, of 2020 and peaking in, 20, uh, in July of 2020. Oh, and then you saw another yeah. spike in the summer um, of 2021 uh, mm-hmm. Right around June 2021, um, and mm-hmm. then you know they've they've kind of come back down to to even. Yeah, because everybody's got their guns already. <laughs> so now this is this would be a fascinating market to study. This is why I'm glad Candy called in early because you think about that. The, the, if what what industry is more political than guns? When a Democrat comes in, gun sales go up. When a Republican comes in, people get complacent. It's like, yeah, okay, I'll just buy ammo and have fun. You know, can you actually trace? The the, uh, the the economics of, of guns based on the political situation. I mean, I can look at the stock price. I mean, I'll go back uh, twenty years for Ruger. Um, okay. You know, if you look when we started when we had the recession um, in '07, for example, um, you know '07 '08 era. You know, the the gun sales seemed to spike then, and then during the recession, obviously they kind of went down, um, mm-hmm. and then. Um, uh, you know, I mean, that's that's pretty much Obama's era. You know what I mean? From, from Obama, 08. the greatest gun salespersons ever. <laughs> was yeah, so, so beginning of <laughs> yeah, beginning of oh nine, beginning uh-huh. of oh nine. You know, for the next eight years, you know, I mean, gun sales like did nothing but skyrocket. <laughs> they probably spe- yeah. they probably went up in, in twelve when he got twenty twelve when he got reelected. So I'm sure they were the <laughs> yeah. So twenty fourteen to twenty. To 2016, uh-huh. they saw right. a little bit of a decrease, but in 2016, 
um, that would be Trump. Everything kind of went sideways until 2020. And 2020, right. it spiked. Um, they've been <laughs> spiked, and then you know it kind of goes back down as as we're kind of leading towards the other presidential election. So, yeah, I mean, for that part, it kind of holds water. That's hysterical. So then, if Trump becomes Speaker of the House, then uh, you know gun sales might drop a little bit. So, so if you're if you're a gun executive, you almost pray for Democrats. So you. <laughs> <laughs> but you know that because then then all your products get seized. You know, you sell your guns to your customers, and they get them uh, taken away anyway. This is hysterical. I never thought of that. Derek, I'm sure you have to go. But uh, any do you have a last word? Yeah, we'll go, to Derek. Candy. Oh, okay, go yeah, ahead. Before we go, uh, what I was going to say in my watch list, watch list is where you take an industry and you put uh, companies in it that you can watch. I've got 25 companies that make electric vehicles. Mm-hmm. That is astronomical. So thus you can yeah. see why I come there pushing EV because they have a, a chance. you got people that's making companies, making money. And most of these companies are expecting to sell those EVs in the United States. Yeah, Where are they based, China? <laughs> Who's making it? All I know is Tesla. They, they're no, they're all over the place. Uh, even, no, everybody. All, all the automakers have them. Yeah. Jeep, yeah. Chrysler, VW, yeah. uh, BMW, um, Mercedes. Audi, like all of them, um, GM, you know, every everybody in America and and all the foreign people all have electric vehicles now. Now the, yeah. there is only a handful of companies that directly make, um, you know, electric vehicles that actually have a good market base. One of those would be Rivian. Another one would be Lucid, and Lucid is actually losing very quickly in Rivian as as well. Uh, those are both two American automakers. Then you have one in China that's. That they're exporting a large number, uh, but their stock has been under pressure, and that one's called NIO, N-I-O. Um, mm-hmm. You have another one that produces the part form called XPing, X-P-N-G. Um, that's another China one. Um, and then, um, God, what is the other one? There's one more, and I can't – it's slipping my mind. Well, yeah. obviously Tesla. Uh, um, yeah, I want to hold this up anyway because we got this is Candy's report time, yeah. so I want to I want to save this for another week. Uh, but we can we can okay. pick this up next week. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's hold Don't up because we got to. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. It's a great chat. I mean, we just need to bring it up earlier yep. in Derek's report. So let's hold hold that That's up. Derek, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Yep. And we're right, going to get to. Thank you, sir. Let's yep. get to the, the 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 newly created the Black Mama Bear Gun Report. <laughs> I just love saying <laughs> that. It's just, so I know you do. I candy say that. I'm like, he likes this. <laughs> I do, I do. Well, how many people can actually say that? How many white guys can say that on the radio? I mean, do you know? I mean, you know, I can, uh, I'm kind of kind of unique in that regard. Yeah, yeah, it's true. So, but you can say it here because it's my show. <laughs> so, yeah, not, I didn't want to shortchange it all because we've got uh, these are fast reports. We got Tara, then Derek, then you, then John, and then I have another guest at nine o'clock, uh, Andy Ross, who's a very interesting guy. Anyway, so what's been on your mind this week, Candy? Let's uh, let's let's get into your report. Well, my report is um, I've had an awesome week. Um, I wasn't sure if I had shared with you that I'm a chapter facilitator for Girl and a Gun. Did I tell you that? Yes, you did. Yeah, but you can always say it again. Okay. Tell us the details. Okay, cool. So um, last night we had what's called our uh, GNO, which is our girls' night out. And uh, due to um, – uh, well, our girls' night out, basically it's a time – for ladies to come in on the range, we do some classroom time, talk about different topics, and then we go out and we shoot on the range. 
and for my members, it's a supervised time of shooting. We give them encouragement, a little bit of instruction, but it's mostly time when they can just come and shoot on the range. Well, currently we're transitioning from a range because we really outgrew it. So we're transitioning to a new range. And while we're doing that, we, um, instead of meeting in person, we had a virtual GNO last night. So we met over Zoom. And our topic was situational awareness. And what I was kind of panicking inside thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got two hours to cover a 15-minute topic. Um, mm-hmm. We actually I know that ended feeling, by the cutting way. it. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, okay, I've got two hours. What am I going to put in this? But uh, my my second, whose name is Kennedy, did such a phenomenal job on his presentation, and he got all the ladies engaged so much so that we actually had to cut it off. <laughs> yeah, because the opposite problem is you you have fifteen minutes for a two hour topic. You know that that, that happens. Yeah, you know, probably more often than not. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There interesting. So but so when you said girls' night was, out. I was kind of hoping you'd be like, you know, carrying openly and a bunch of women down the street, you know, with like 45s on your hip or something like that, cocks and locks, girls night out, <laughs> you know, that, that would be girls night out, Not, you know, drinking like non-alcoholic yeah, beverages or something like that or on the dance floor. Can you go on the dance floor with guns? I don't know. That would be girls night out. That would be, and videotape the whole thing. That's what I want to see. Well, you know what? If you ever come to one of my GNOs, you'll find out it's almost pretty close to that. We do some amazing stuff, and okay. um, it, it's sizzling like you would think it would be. We do – we push our ladies because you're not coming there to aim at the target, shoot one round. <laughs> oh, I hit it. <laughs> no, that's not us. Sorry. <laughs> that is oh not us, dude. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> when, when our ladies come in, they are borderline hyperventilating. They're sweating because they know we're going to work them on that range because every huh. woman who is a part of my group is right. a part of my league because she either carries or she intends to carry. And mm-hmm. I am doing you no favors if I let you think that going pew, pew, he, 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 I hit it this time. It's right. going to save your life in a time of crisis. I'm not doing you any favor. So mm-hmm. when ladies come, and it's not just my GNO, that's how a girl and a gun is. Our motto, that that's what we want. We want our ladies to be confident and competent with their firearms in whatever they're using them for, whether it's defense, whether it's competition, whether it's you know, just sport, whatever they're doing, we want them to be confident and competent. That's huge. Yeah. I'm getting a little background noise, um, so I want to encourage you, because uh, you should be doing your own show. <laughs> you should get your own block talk show. I think Derek should as well. But to, to get a microphone or a headset or get a little closer to your phone or, or the, whatever the background noise is. Uh, we got some stuff. I, I forgot who was making breakfast the other day, and we were listening to that. And then Jonathan Michael. made coffee on his show. <laughs> yeah, Michael's making breakfast. All right, so we had that happen, right? And then so Jonathan, uh, our legal reporter, is making coffee on Monday. He's like, Jonathan, what are you doing? I'm making coffee. I said, well, we can hear all of it. We heard the water. We heard the whole bit. It's like, you know, so anyway. But uh, you should have – why don't well, you have a gun, guns night out? You know, have a guns night out. Take your gun out. <laughs> 
take, take your gun on the town. I mean, no one's ever had a guns night out. You know, although I would, I would know, enjoy being the only guy at girls' night out. I mean, I would do that. You know, girls and guy night out, that would be fun. But I think guns night out. You know? take, it, take your gun walking. Take your gun, you know, to the store. Take your gun with your, your kids, you know. It would be great. Take your gun for a walk. <laughs> be like a well, pet. Well, I, well, you've got to realize the majority of us gun owners, we do that all the time. We're just very subtle about it. Yeah, yeah, no, I still see. Now, well, let me ask you the open carry question again, and, and Pianki's on the line too, um, because both Pianki and I feel that uh, the the risk of of security is is kind of overridden by the 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 value to be gained by normalizing the sight of guns, and so that's obviously a question everybody has to answer for themselves. Uh, I would carry openly, but I might be cross draw, so it's right in front of me. You know, so anybody tries to grab it, I'm. It's not like it's a side or or you know, heaven forbid, a, a, like a back holster or something like that. But because the most comfortable place for a guy is like right behind the hip. So you, you might want to conceal that. But if it's a cross star right in front of you, it's going to be hard for someone to reach around you, you know, and grab that. But the side of but normalizing that, you know, as you're looking, people looking at your gun, looking up at you, it's like, uh, you know, my eyes are up here kind of thing. So I know how women feel when guys are staring. Anyway, that's another <laughs> story. Love it. But yeah, so now, if they're staring I, at my I weapon. Be honest with you. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. I'll be honest with you. I agree with you. I I completely agree. I think we need to normalize it. However, unfortunately, we've got so much other crap going on right now. I I don't want to be thrown into that mix. Um, we, we've, and, and I think you know what I mean when I talk about crap. I mean, you look at sideways. Today, you get 50 liters. And you've just got all this crap going on. So mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be a part of that. But at the same time, I'm not ashamed of who I am. I'm not ashamed of what I do. Mm-hmm. And if you ask me about it, I'll talk to you about it. Yeah. But I'm not going to yeah. stick it in your face either. Not at this point. And that's just yeah. Okay, no, and this is why I like to talk about these things, because there is value in both. But we do have looters in the cities right now, and, and you don't want to have to, you know, if you have a revolver with six shots and you've got 50 people in front of you, you've got a problem. Uh, and if they see your gun, they yeah, can easily do. overpower you. So that's a different situation. So that would be a good time to carry concealed so that uh, you can withdraw yourself and maybe, you know, uh, if you have to take on a, a, a small number, you'd be in a lot. But there was some uh, liberal activist who was just stabbed to death. You know, and it's it's fascinating and scary and tragic that the liberals have become victims of the very people that they're advocating for because they're idiots. I know. Is that just mind boggling? I'm like, dude, you just killed the person who really? Mm. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. It's it it borders on one of those, you know, just take them all and put them on an island and let them work it out themselves. <laughs> <laughs> Lord of the flies, yeah, yeah. Well, there was a, a <laughs> pretty much. There was a case of a, of a young woman, she's college age, and she went to uh, uh, some country that was violent in the middle of the revolution because she believed that, you know, being American and, you know, full of peace, love and, uh, you know, kumbaya could solve the situation and she got killed. You know, her parents were like, it's well, she tried to do the right there. thing. She, she lived for the principle. Yeah, she lived for the principle. No, she died for the principle, you know, and so this Pretty is. Much. Yeah. Huh. So do you get local folks? It's interesting you brought that up because that's yeah. one of the things I tell my ladies all the time. Mm-hmm. You cannot apply your morals and your values to anyone else, anyone else, not even your kids, not even your spouse. You cannot apply your morals to anyone else because they are just that. They are your morals. 
-hmm. And you would be wise to not assume how anyone else is going to respond to you. Don't assume that they're all going to be all warm and fuzzy and loving and accepting because I'm an American and kumbaya and this and that and the other. Now, you yeah. better keep your kumbaya self at home if you're going to be thinking <laughs> like that. This, this is not the kumbaya gun club. <laughs> this is not the place. No, it is not. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> do, you, do you get uh, women, uh, liberal women, progressive women, who like kind of you know, pull you aside and say, Candy, I, I don't want the group to know, but I, 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 you know, I voted for you know, Obama. I, I was a liberal, and I, I, I want to own a gun now. What do I tell my family? <laughs> you know, I mean, what, do you have people that really are wrestling with their conscience, that they're more worried about you know, the, the, uh, the change in their politics with their family and friends than they are with defending their life? Do you see that? Um, uh, honestly, I do not because, okay. um, I will see it ever so often. Um, and what I see more of is I've made this decision, mm-hmm. but I don't want anybody to know yet. And I do see that ever so often. And I try very much to encourage them and let them know that they're supported because mm-hmm. it, it kind of is like that. I've made this choice. But my family can't know. I've made this place, but my job can't know. Hey, <laughs> it's hey. like, oh, my gosh, they would freak out. So, yeah. and, and we help them with that. And that therein is another place where the concealed carry lifestyle just fits right in. Because it's called concealed carry for a reason. Nobody's mm-hmm. supposed to know you have it. Do you have uh, recommendations either way, like especially at work, of, of women, you know, leaving their gun in their car locked securely, and and how secure are guns locked in cars? They're not. Okay. They're not. Um, right. Even even if you have a safe, even if you have whatever, if you have a committed thief, if they know you've got that sour X5 Legion in there that they want. Mm-hmm. If you're in work, if you're at work for eight hours, hun, they're getting that gun. I'm sorry, okay. they're getting it. Even if they have to take your whole car to get it, they're getting mm-hmm. that gun. They want the gun. So, yes, is the safe a, a wonderful um, intermediate step? Absolutely. You never, ever, ever leave an unsecured firearm in your car. And my second caveat to that is if you do need to lock it in a safe in your car, for everything that is, please only minimally leave that gun in that car. Minimize the time that that firearm is in that car. It's, it's, you're a sitting duck. You just are. If it's in your car, your car can be stolen. Once the car is stolen, they've got all the time in the world to get that gun out of there. I'm more worried yeah. about my gun than I am my car. Yeah, and I've I've never wanted to do that. I, I I would rather leave a gun at home if I have to go to a place where I can't carry it, like the post office or something like that. Correct. Uh, Correct. Then leave it Correct. then leave it locked in my car. So I you know I make those trips you know like a one errand trip and then you know take the gun everywhere else I go. Um, I thought of something just as you were talking. Uh, if you're interested in running a bill. Wouldn't it be interesting if companies got some kind of a tax break for providing gun lockers at work so people wouldn't have to leave their guns in their cars? They could, they could think about this. They could bring it to work, right, and they could lock it in the gun locker, 
and they'd have a, a, like a separate key or I don't know if you want to do a combination or, or a mass. I wouldn't want the company, you know, going after them, but uh, that in that way, they could, they wouldn't have the gun, you know, during the workday unless they absolutely needed it, in which case, you know, you might have to have different lockers in different places. But what about, what about tax break for companies that had gun lockers at work? So people didn't leave their guns in their cars. How's that for a thought? I think it's an awesome thought, but it'll never happen. I, oh, don't say it. Like this is the, why. Candy. Candy, this is the wrong show to say it'll never happen. We don't believe ah, it'll never. This is true. We don't. We we we. This is true. We don't believe it never. No. So it's like how do we make it happen? So let me rephrase. How do we make it happen? Well, yeah. our first hurdle is the first thing. The first hurdle that I would see would be they're crossing the threshold with a firearm. I think that's the hurdle that we have to figure out how to overcome. Because even if they're going directly to the firearm storage area, they're Mm -hmm. still crossing the threshold with the firearm. Then I think another consideration would be now all of these firearms will be centrally located in one area. Is that a smart idea? No, you so, probably have to have uh, several so, gun lockers in, in different places. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like I say, I literally places. just thought of this. So this, this is going to take some exploration. It's a cool idea, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah I, that would actually be worth looking into because oh. I think it'd be a wonderful go-between, you know? I yeah. think that'd be a wonderful idea. What if we had a gun company try it, like uh, Ruger or Glock or Sig Sauer, like we were talking about earlier, with Derek? I mean, do gun employees bring their guns to work? You know, it uh, it exactly already goes think. on. Well, well it, it goes on. You got uh, companies, for instance, at baseball stadiums. I'm sorry, stadiums, and you can't right. carry a gun in a stadium. But people, uh, there's businesses that will let you check your gun in right there on the parking lot, or they take up some spot, and people stand in line and check their gun in. While they're in the stadium, when they come out, they take it back. Of course, you have to pay a little fee, but uh, oh, yeah, yeah. some but inspired at least entrepreneur has already where, where is it. this? Where is this? Well, that's good. Well, I mean, listen. One. Okay. Yeah, I, listen, one. I have more than enough work to do. I don't need to repeat somebody else who's already done it successfully. We've got plenty of things to do, you know, without, uh, without oh, that. I'm all in favor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so interesting. Okay. So, uh, so maybe Candy, uh, Pianchi, you guys get together and, uh, and and maybe work on this a little bit. Maybe it's, let's make a bigger program. So if it's already been done, that's good. Let's That'd expand be awesome. it, though. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, Stadium, definitely. Sense. I, did, I wasn't even aware that it had been done. That's awesome. Neither did I. So that's, that's good to know. That's yeah. awesome. Well, see uh, – so models are always if you, when you start writing legislation, if someone's already done it, you know it may be a matter of just improving that bill or making it more general for for different areas. And so you never want to repeat, you never want to reinvent the wheel. That's 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 rule one of legislation. Correct. I don't write bills that have already been written because I don't have to. They've already been written. So okay, I got other things to do. So or if something's good but needs improving or expanding, and then that's another area. So we just kind of go from there. Okay, well we've got to, this half hour is going by fast as they always do. So let's get back to your report. And just a heads up that I am uh-huh. going to have to leave you right at 930 because I've got to take my mom to the doctor today. <laughs> oh, no, that's fine. Okay, no. You're always welcome to stay longer, but uh, John will be here, you know, by then anyway, and I'll, I'll his report will be completely different. I don't really have a name for his report yet. Yours was easy. 
<laughs> he's, he's like, I, I know, right? I just made it so easy for you. <laughs> oh yeah, oh, you you really did. Okay, well let's let's see. So what else did you have, or do you have more on on your original topic? What, let's let's continue on. Um, well, uh, real quick on my original topic, when we were talking about situational awareness last night, mm-hmm. it was really interesting to hear um, how many ladies or people in general just every single day. Um, Kennedy presented some uh, videos. Active Self-Protection is a wonderful website if you've never been there. But um, Active Self-Protection has actual videos of people engaged in self-defense or potential self-defense episodes. And there was one where you saw a lady walking up the street. She had her handbag over her left arm, and she had her arm kind of covering it. And then in her right arm, she had a huge bag of groceries. And she's walking with this, and two guys on a scooter approach her coming from the opposite direction. The scooter swings in towards her. Um, The guy gets off the scooter, attacks her, mugs her, takes her first. So we're looking at this, and... When the ladies were looking at it, at first, they were like, oh, that poor lady, which, of course, oh, that poor lady. But then when we started looking at it and dissecting it, we're like, what could what could have been done differently here? What should we have been looking for in this? And it was surprising how many people missed that the scooter turned in towards the lady and she didn't respond. Now, we had someone pretty much tell us the comment of it's really easy to armchair quarterback. I'm, I'm paraphrasing that, but essentially that's what she said, and I realized she's correct. It's perfectly – it's so simple to sit here and look at this video of this poor woman and say what she should have or could have done, but the truth is we weren't there. It wasn't us. So how do we prepare ourselves if and when it is us? And what I was trying to emphasize to the ladies is to be alert, to be aware. When you're out in public, you are not safe. I don't care where you are. You are not safe. You've got to have that mindset of who is that person? Why did they change direction? Why is that person looking at me just a smidge longer than I think they should be? You know, just little things like that. If you're talking to someone outside of the self-defense world, they would think you were paranoid. Me, I call you prepared. Well, there's a denial that goes into it. We teach that in flight instruction, that, uh, you know, you have to realize that there's a problem and there's a several-second, you know, acceptance. uh, And then you have to get the mindset to deal with it. And then you've got to think of what to do. And all those things take time. So uh, people deny it because they never, first of all, they never think it's going to happen to them. Uh, that's your first mistake. Um, having been in some natural disasters and emergencies and airplanes, I know anything can happen to me. So I'm always, I'm always looking. Um, but, uh, but the second thing is, it's, it's true. But the denial factor, it's not really happening. That person really isn't going to rob Correct. me. And I know in Europe, women don't carry purses like that because the guys come by on scooters with knives and cut the straps and take the bag and they're gone. You know, it's, it's like a two-second yep. operation. Uh, and if you just stand, yeah. American women are like victims of this all the time because they're stupid. You know, you carry a bag that has nothing in it. <laughs> you know, it's like a decoy. 
you know, put your stuff in. The, there you go. You know, this, this is why women need pockets. I don't know why y'all haven't figured that out yet, but we'll work on that later. But uh, yeah, but there's Dude, a denial factor. I wouldn't factor. carry a purse if you paid me to. <laughs> Interesting. You got pockets? Yeah, I, I will not carry a purse. I, I do not for that very reason. A purse is a distraction. It's, right. it's a complete distraction. I don't, I don't need that. Everything I need is on my body or it's mm-hmm. in my backpack. And I carry my backpack in a certain way that if if the crap hits the fan, I'm ready to go. Yeah, I've carried a backpack because you can put a lot of good stuff in a backpack. That's interesting. But yeah, I've always wondered about that with women. Is that why why would you carry a bag, you know, with all your stuff? You know, and when I traveled through Europe, you know, back in the '80s before we had uh, credit cards that could convert currency, we all carried money belts. We had our travelers checks, you know, uh, in, in a belt. You know, uh, what were they say? What the, like the inside the waistband thing? You know, with the with the gun, the holster. It's either inside or on the belt. So this this is you know. So yeah. we had money belts inside you know inside our belt. And nobody's going to go reach in there, you know, uh, unless we want them to. Um, and <laughs> that's another story. Not going but, there. Uh, not going there. No, I did, that's unfortunately. I can't help show. it. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but the, the, I, don't, I never understood. First, so you recommend for women, don't carry a bag. And don't carry your gun in a bag, right? And I got John along. I'm going to bring him on in just a second. Oh, my gosh, no. Oh, you know okay. what? So since, since I have to leave, that's going to be the topic of our next show. Okay. Why I would never, ever, ever, ever carry my firearm in a bag. I do not disparage any women who do, but I will tell you why I personally will never do that. Okay. Well, we got maybe hopefully a couple cool. of minutes. John, uh, John DeMonico's on the line uh, with the Women's Firearm Academy Gun Report. And like I said, I was going to find a real cool name for you, although that's pretty cool too. John, do you have any, uh, you've, been, you've been listening for a couple of minutes. Good, how are you? So what do you think? Of what you've heard so far. You guys cover a lot of ground. Yeah, we really do. Did you hear earlier <laughs> from Candy, the beginning report? Because we had Candy on. We were talking about Ruger and Smith and Wesson, Wesson stock with Derek, our financial reporter. So we, we have overlap all the time here. <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, I, she's spot on. All okay. of it. Uh, there's a ton that goes into that, but yeah, that's pretty much spot on. Okay. Questions, observations, anything you want to share before she goes? Uh, I'm with her on the open carry. So okay. there, there's a lot of different reasons, though. But I also think that um, with open carry comes a lot of more, a lot more risk. Look at it in terms of you can watch prison videos of guys in prison practicing how to take a cop's gun away from their holster. Oh, okay. what interesting that's activity. their job. Yeah. Their job is to be a bad guy. If you introduce a firearm to something and you're not fully prepared to defend it. Mm-hmm. It can be a problem, more of a problem for you than anyone else. That's and, it, well, right there. That's it. Sure. You just nailed okay. it right on the head. That's it, right there. Yep. Clap, clap, clap. Where's your little applause machine? Oh, <laughs> we need that applause right now. <laughs> okay, so now I have reporters calling the show. This is interesting. Okay, hang on. I'll get it for you. <laughs> well, let me see if it's right here. No, that's not it. Hang on, let me try again. No. There we go. There we go. <laughs> and with that, the first guys, one was like the uh, until next week. I know, right? And um, with that, until next week, I'm out of here, guys. Have a blessed week. No, you got to give an official closing. Like, this is Candy Pettercart with the Black Mama Gun Bear. Wait a minute. Let me get it right. <laughs> I screwed oh, it up. Geez. So, I so, know, right? So, so just practice this. And this is Candy Pettycart with the Black Mama Bear Gun Report for Action Radio. So you want to work on a little closing thing.
Okay, so this is Candy Petticord with Black Mama Bear Gun Report. Is that right? For Action Radio. Is that right? For Action Radio. For Action Radio. Ta-da! Okay. So <laughs> we'll next time we'll I'll it. have it, and I can get my applause. <laughs> oh, well, Guys, let me, let me get you. Week. Let me get you the other applause. There we go. Thanks, Candy. Good awesome. to have you on. Okay, Bye, guys. Take care. Bye. <laughs> I knew she was going to be great. I just, I just had that feeling, right? And so, um, so John uh, from the Women's Firearm Academy. Uh, we can call it the Women's Firearm Academy Report with John Delmonico, which itself is interesting. Um, or Perfect. we can pick another name for whatever, whatever, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. With that, yeah, the, the dude from the Women's Firearm Academy. <laughs> you know, right. uh, yeah, gun dude. <laughs> All right, so anyway, so what's been yeah. on your mind this week? What's going on? Uh, you know, I was, I was getting on a little bit of a direction, but I kind of wanted to piggyback on to what uh, Candy had to say. Sure. Feel free. Um, you know, we were, you kind of talked about open carry versus concealed carry. If you look at it in terms of the gun's not really the, the initial deterrent. It's how you carry yourself. Okay. So back in like the early 80s, probably 80, 81, uh, they did a study. Uh, Grayson Stein was the study on predator prey selection. And huh. what they found were a couple of things. So, say that slowly okay. so people get it, because this is important. What was that again? So it was Grayson and Stein. Uh, they did a study on predator-prey selection. Predator-prey so selection. They, so in other words, preying on yeah. people. So in other words, so the criminals are the predators, and they are, they are picking, picking who are the best people to prey upon? Yes. Okay. just want to make that real clear. So what they did, yeah, what they did is they went to prison, and they interviewed tons of just legitimate bad guys, violent offenders across the board. Mm-hmm. And they showed them mm-hmm. pictures and videos, and they said, hey, who would you pick as a victim? And, and they were cooperative they with this? That, Why, uh, yeah. They went along with this? Okay, interesting. Sure. But okay. um, a lot of that's probably ego, and maybe they got a benefit, maybe they got a perk in prison, who knows. But they huh. did go along with it. Okay. What they found was the vast majority of that was subconscious. They couldn't really articulate why. We're in huh. Montana, so it would be like asking the bear why he attacked the deer. Right. Right. But As opposed to the moose? Later on, <laughs> you know, I mean, right, there might exactly. be a difference, right? Yeah, okay. Sure. But when they broke it down is they went back and looked at the video, looked at the uh, photos, looked at everything they did, and they started to see patterns. Hmm. What they found was that there were large men that were selected as victims. There were small, slightly built women that were passed over. It wasn't based on race, gender, size, anything they thought it was going to be based on. Mm-hmm. When they broke it down, though, basically how you carried yourself. Explain what the that means. How, of, explain what it means to yeah. how you carry yourself. Because that's sure. an interesting topic. Fluidity too. of movement. Okay. Right? You weren't disjointed. You weren't walking too fast or too slow. You had a normal gait. You had your head up. You made eye contact. All of those things made a big difference. Interesting. And across the board, that's what they found. Huh. If you break that down into, let's say, um, the lions in the Serengeti. Lions are looking at a pack of gazelles. Mm-hmm. Gazelle's got his head in the, in the grass. What's going to happen? Yeah, it's a victim. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. The gazelle that stands up straight looks around, looks at the lion, and mm-hmm. starts to make space and walk away. They're probably going to get passed over. Hmm. Now, the gazelle that looks up at the lion and puts his head back in the grass is the same problem, though, isn't it? <laughs> that lion's not there. That's, that's, deni- that's your liberal right. That's your liberal approach to but, crime. Okay. No, that's <laughs> your sorry. denial. Yeah. 
That's yeah. your denial in the well, victim space. So if you have we a talked woman about denial. who will look at something. Uh, did you hear that? We were talking to Candy about that. I said that's one of the big problems with people not reacting to a situation is denial. It's not happening to me. It can't be happening to me. Right. I'm a good person. Why is this happening? And that's, that's a right. huge delay. Denial means delay. Yeah. And that's the huh. point. That was the point of the study as well. But that's the point of the story. Is okay. What we, we're primarily trying to do is a couple of things. But one is we want to give women confidence to understand what they're looking at and why they're seeing what they see and then to be able to recognize it and act on it. So we don't really focus on the actual fight itself. Mm-hmm. We focus on what happened before the fight, the pre-attack indicators. What were the tells? What did they miss? What did they see and ignore? That's, that's yeah, the know, important part for, for self-awareness and situational awareness. Yeah. I know that uh, it's a women's firearm academy and you focus primarily on women now, but I want to bring guys into this too, uh, especially when we have candy right before you. So I want to, so there's got to be, you know, guy indicators too. So if someone's picking, you know, a, a larger man to attack over a smaller woman, there's got to be something that guy is doing to, to transmit that he's, he's like a victim somehow, some way. So do the yeah, same things apply to men It's the same behavior. Women? It applies to men okay. and women across the board. So okay. if the guy has his uh, head in the phone and he's walking along not paying attention and he's walking down a dark street at 1 in the morning, good chance the guy's going to pick him as a victim. Well, that's stupid right there. So, so not only is it situational <laughs> awareness, but it's awareness of what situations you don't want to be in. I mean, this is no, common I sense. I, but I but, the, but the, let's take the case that just happened. There was a, a liberal couple. The, this guy was a social activist, and he just got stabbed to death. Like, like yesterday, the day before. Did you hear about this? I, I don't know the name. I did. Of the, it's all the video. Okay. So tell me about that. So that was a combination of a lot of problems. Part of it's putting yourself and doing dumb things. Put yourself in a bad right. position. Okay. Right. So a lot of your problems can be solved by just not doing stupid things. Yeah, Sitting don't be on a there. bus bench at that late in the morning by yourself. Yeah. Just yeah. don't do it and you're probably safer. Situational awareness. The guy walked by him, passed him. He kind of got up, walked around, and he started coming back. Should be an indicator. Sudden change in movements. Sudden change in direction. That's always mm-hmm. a red flag for us because they're targeting you probably for a reason. Now you've got a guy that has no idea how to defend himself physically right. at all. He was just pushing. If I've seen, I've seen some of the video. Yeah. Yeah. At best, he was pushing. He was on his back feet. But what he was doing was the bare minimum to think that he was possibly going to be safe instead of doing what he had to do to save himself. And that's part of what uh, I think Candy said, is you can inject your sense of morality into a situation right. that doesn't have any. Okay. Right? And that's back to the saying, this can't be happening to me because I'm a good person. I'm an right. activist. Does he not know who I am? Who does this? I would never yeah. do this. Why are they doing this to me? Now, are we talking about the same incident? Because I remember the one I'm thinking of is a couple that was walking down the street. I don't think this was on a bus, although this might be two separate incidents with the same result. So, uh, was it in I'm New York? Confused. I'm not sure. It, uh, it, it just happened. But there was a woman. It in, depends in, uh, on where you like, come in on the video. So oh, so this, run the it whole started video, on a bus. The whole okay, video so, is so they sit, th- they're sitting on a bus bench. And right. then they get up after the guy mm-hmm. passes and they start to walk around. And that's when he comes back. So it depends on where they cut the video. Okay. I just saw, saw them on the street, on the, on the sidewalk. Uh, but the same incident we're talking lady. about. Yeah, blue dress. Well-dressed lady, well-dressed guy. Yep. yep. Yeah, so they had just come from a wedding, and that's why they were dressed so well. And apparently they were going to try and catch the bus to go home at that time of night. I don't even know if the buses run that late. But Let me take the do. cab. What, what kind of an idiot catches a bus when you're dressed well? 
That's like jingling yeah. coins in your pocket walking down the street. And you might as well just say, you right. know, here I am. Sure. So the part of that self-awareness and part of that situational, right? If you don't have the self-awareness, then you're doing something stupid. You're not going to have the situational awareness to avoid it. Okay. Huh. Makes sense? And so, yeah. And so ultimately at some point, you know, uh, he had no weapons. I, I take it because he's liberal and he's dressed well, and you don't, you know, bring, don't bring guns to weddings usually. Although I would, um, but um, uh, what you know, what uh, what what is, is it? Was he killed by liberalism? I mean, is that you know? I hate to put it in that, those terms, but you know, he he would not have a weapon uh, if he you know if he, if he behaved like a, a liberal person, you would know he wouldn't have a weapon. I don't people target politically, or they just they just look for victims. But what was it? And, and the, the person that killed him was smaller than the guy, you know, so physically the guy may have actually been stronger, but he certainly wasn't capable of defending himself. And so the criminals pick up on that too, right? Absolutely. And then that goes back to the gun problem. Just because you have a gun doesn't make you capable of using it. There are plenty of stories where people in their homes have had a gun. They pointed it at the bad guy. The bad guy realizes that they're not going to get shot and they take it from that homeowner and use it against them. Yeah, so that's exactly. You've got if if you're not willing to use the gun, don't don't point it, don't don't draw it. Right. So that that's don't a fascinating. Well, now this goes to the target range too, because you know when you're at a target range, you're shooting a paper. It's not shooting back. There's no confrontation. There's no stress. There's no. I mean, this is one of the most. Uh, it's almost worse than no training, because you know your mindset is well, I'm going to stand there. I'm going to have time. I'm going to shoot a paper target. Nothing's going to happen. That's not a real life situation. You know, at least do paintball, do something where you've got some stress or I, you know, I've had a bunch of training because I, I was briefly with uh, customs, uh, U.S. customs as they're transitioning to uh, customs and border protection. And they, uh, it was right after 9-11 and uh, it, it was fun for a while until they had me, I think I started the story already, you know, stamping passports in a booth and they had all these young kids <laughs> took all the, took all the good jobs. It's like, you know what? Yeah, I'm not going to sit, sit for 20 years stamping passports. I got better things to do with my life anyway. Uh, but I got exactly. some really great training. I mean, the training, I did extremely well. You know, those, those shoot, no shoot scenarios that they give you, yeah. you know, with the videos mm-hmm. and things. So well, obviously you would, uh, I did extremely well with those, uh, the paintball, you know, and I'm not a fast coordinated guy, but I think, and we had army rangers in their twenties that were, you know, being taken out by the instructor in paintball. And I was on the few that actually got the instructor and I was 42 at the time, slower, larger, you know, uh, but thought better, <laughs> use cover better. So there's a so there's a lot of thinking that has to go into this. So, in a shoot no shoot situation, at what point in that video would you have drawn a gun, or some kind of weapon? Where where's the uh, of, yeah? I know that's a tough it's one. It's hard where to do you say do because the, the video's been okay. cut so much that I can't really hmm. tell exactly where the knife came out. The truth is, though, so I, I probably wouldn't have gone to a gun. You don't no, have to wait for I probably wouldn't have gone to the gun at all. Okay. Also, what would you is time and distance. Okay. Right. So, your right. reaction is always slower than the action itself. The truth is, most of the time, be safer stepping into that conflict than stepping away from it. And that's a good point. Oh, this guy kept pushing that. himself back. He kept saying, he kept trying to get away. He just created just a little bit of a space just to get enough distance where he felt comfortable. How quickly did the guy with the knife close that distance? Split second. Super fast. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you, well, even if it's an open carry holster, can you actually uh-huh. get that gun out and deploy it before you get stabbed? Yeah. Probably not. Not at that, that, yeah. that, at that close of a range. Well, there's the 21-foot so rule point, that we were taught in law enforcement, which I think is pretty common now. So I'm, not, I'm not giving anyway any, any uh, you know, tactical secrets here. But 21 feet, if someone's 21 or, or fewer feet away from you, they can get to you before you can draw and fire a gun, right? Generally speaking, yeah. So they can, 
it's it's a guideline, not a rule, but they they can close that distance in roughly a second and a half. Okay. So you have to process that they're moving towards you. Mm-hmm. Realize that this is a gun problem. Get your gun out, and then hopefully right. get at least one round out before you get impacted. Right. The the industry standard. I mean, really, if you've got a fast draw, especially from concealment, mm-hmm. draw, get around on target. If you can do it around two seconds, you're doing pretty well. Okay. You start out a half second behind at that distance. Yeah. So now we're and talking maybe closer take, to like, 30 feet. You know, 30 feet, you might be safe enough to uh, uh, have a gun sure. defense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it depends. It depends on the weapon huh. and if the guy's got, let's say it's um, a, I don't know, a golf club. Well, he's got an extra three and a half feet now, depending on how long the golf club is. Right. So your 21 feet now is 18. Hmm. You can get it back by the golf course. No, but it makes sense. Back to the time and distance yeah. problem. If if we're uh-huh. four or five feet apart, you're going to have to step into that mess to be safe. The truth is, if he's the guy closer to that guy, known what to do and how to use his body effectively, uh-huh. that probably wouldn't have happened to him at least. He, the other guy wouldn't have had time to get the knife out, or if he had the knife out, he would have been safer engaging that guy than trying to run away from it or backstep away from it. Any self-defense techniques you want to reveal at this particular time? Because people don't think of knives as dangerous as they are. Guns, knives are far more dangerous than guns, of course. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't want to get stabbed. I'd like a shot. Yeah. Across the board. Uh, yeah. So That's there's ways to, to set people. yourself up kind of right. in a uh-huh. way to where you don't look like you're ready to fight, but in your right. head you are. Uh-huh. So the, the classic one is, hey, hands up. Hey, calm down, calm down, calm down. Right? Yeah, hands up. Right. You kind of pat in the air. Well, if I'm close to somebody, my hands are up, does a couple of things. One, it gets them used to seeing my hands moving, right? But it also mm-hmm. sets me up to be able to defend myself faster. And mm-hmm. in my head, if I'm thinking, okay, look, as soon as I see X, whatever tell that happens to be, I have to move. Mm-hmm. I'm cutting down my reaction time, and I'm actually throwing off his loop, so he's going to have to react to me. Mm-hmm. You are... Uh, your pre-attack indicator, like you always see that classic haymaker, right? Google like fist fights or attacks. Nobody throws a punch straight in a legitimate real world violent encounter. It's always one of those loading up that right hand and they're going to throw it. <laughs> <a big laughs> loop, trying and to here it. comes the wind up. And right? the pitch. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So look at it in terms of if you step into that, even if you were to step into it and just put his, your hands on his chest, he's probably going to overshoot and not hit you. Right. But when you step away, what happens? You get hit. He'll catch you on the button. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's half the time they get knocked out or they get hurt. Huh. It's counterintuitive. So what we talk about is it's counterintuitive because nobody wants to step into that mess. Mm-hmm. But sometimes you have to. Right. And if mm-hmm. you have that if you have that base knowledge, you can react faster, but it's also having the base knowledge have a little more confidence. Right. It's the same as you know, you're not gonna rise the occasion, you'll sink to your level of training. If you have no training or you have poor training, that's right. the problem. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Your range example is a really good one, though. Most people train on a flat range, and it's static. Put one round in the X, they think the fight's over. <laughs> so, you know, they go, bang, eh, how'd it go? Oh, I shot the X, I'm good. Well, in real life, that translates to problems. Because if you fire that one round and you look to see how you did, and they're still coming, or you missed, or you don't see the, you can't see the impact because he's wearing dark clothing, that's going to mess with your head, and you've got to react, react again to get your gun back on target and make more rounds. Right. And that takes time. I got a question. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, Pianchi. Yeah. Feel free. 
You know, the 20-foot rule is that you're accurate on that because during the Mike Brown situation in Ferguson in St. Louis, there was another incident in the city where a guy had a knife and two police officers was standing off from him when he's and as he kept coming closer and closer, when they got within 20, 25 feet, they did shoot him. But what I was going to say this, you was talking about open carry. Mm-hmm. Suppose somebody grab your gun at your holster and they begin to run away from you. Well, if you've got another gun, if you shoot them, are you in trouble? If they're running away from you with a gun, probably. What's the well, with your gun, you? they took your gun. They took your gun out your holster. I've seen that happen sure. on YouTube. And now they're running, and you got another gun in your pocket, and you pull it out. And for some reason or another, they look around at you. Can you shoot them? If you can articulate it, maybe. It's going to depend on a lot of variables. If you shoot that guy in the back, though, you're going to be hard-pressed to justify shooting that guy in the back because it becomes a property crime at that point. Yeah, I think the key to it is what Pianchi said, that if they're running away with your gun, if they take your gun, run away, then come back and, and point it at you, that's an entirely different situation because now they're a threat as long as they're running away. You know, that's a whole different yeah. thing. And, but aren't there different standards for police as opposed to, uh, you know, regular civilian folks? Because so, we have a different standard. I mean, civilians don't have law enforcement training. They don't go through scenarios. They should if you're a gun owner. But uh, they, they haven't had that same level of training. And so what, what's, what's the rule on civilians? At what point can, you know, or, or what are the differences between civilian, you know, lawful shooting situations and, and police ones? Well, the big difference is like law enforcement has a, a use of force continuum, so they okay. kind of have to follow those guidelines. It'll start with their mere presence, and that can run the gamut all the way up through deadly force, whatever form that takes. Mm-hmm. And it depends on where you fall on that spectrum as a cop. Uh, flashlights were a good example. Uh, one of the agencies I worked for, a flashlight was considered an impact weapon. So hmm. you know, if you had to use it, it was similar to like a baton. Okay. Another agency considered that a deadly weapon. So oh. you wouldn't be justified in hitting out of the flashlight unless you could use deadly force to defend yourself. Right? Must be one hell of a Civilians, flashlight. Well, exactly, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a hell of a policy, really, when you think about it. But yeah. it but is what eight, it is. Eight D-cell batteries is like a baton or something. <laughs> how, big are these, how big are these flashlights you guys are wielding over there? You know, does, do you have well, it in some a holster? Pretty, like I mean, a, you're, you're yeah. a good oh. 12, 13 inches long with a head on it. So, you know, yeah, it's just a metal. Those Mac lights or whatever they are. Damage. Yeah. Right, but you're not. Yeah, I guess they could. If you were to use that in that situation as a police officer, you could be held potentially criminal liable, but also liable within the department. Right. Civilians, on the other hand, they if it's deadly force, it doesn't matter what you meet the deadly force with. If it's any lesser degree of force, then it has to be proportional to the level of force. It doesn't have to be exact, but right. it has to be enough to overcome the attack itself. Huh. But the the classic is you get punched in the head. You pull out a gun and shoot the guy in the stomach. That's not proportional. You're going to have a hard time justifying that. Hmm. You're shooting to stop the threat. You're not shooting to kill. You're shooting to stop the threat. If someone takes your property, even if it's a gun, and is running away from you, is there a deadly force threat to you or anyone else at that point? Presumably no. no. Right? You're going to have a hard time justifying throwing a shot at that guy and potentially killing him or someone else in the meantime. 
Well, he's still going to report that his gun was stolen. If he points the gun at you, then it's a deadly force situation. Right. Can you pursue him, try to get your gun back, chase him? Yeah, but I wouldn't recommend it. <laughs> He's got your gun. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend it at all. But, but you should at right. least report it, and uh, you know the police, because then they'll because it might show up. Well, and those are the most ones the guns that show up in crimes. This is why gun control is such a such a cr- crazy myth. Well, if we just take the guns off the street. In other words, out of law-abiding citizens' hands, you know, you'll stop crime. But the guns that are used. Well, what percentage of, of gun uh, of guns used in crimes are illegally obtained or illegally owned? It's got to be like ninety nine. Well, probably like 95 or greater percent, right? I mean, it's almost all of them. Yeah, at least. I mean, who uses their own gun in a crime? Because they're not stupid. Next to no one, unless, of course, it's a self-defense situation you get prosecuted. Well, that's different. But I'm talking about <laughs> right. a criminal. An active criminal is not going to use a gun that is registered to them. That just, that would, I mean, they're not the brightest people in the world, but they're not that stupid. Sure. Generally speaking, they're not going through a background check at a dealer to find a gun. <laughs> Okay. Um, I don't want to take your whole report away because you know me. I just Once I get on a roll asking questions, uh, it gets quite fascinating. So we've got 10 minutes left. We've got a really interesting guest. Andy Ross is going to be on next, and I've never talked to him, so this is going to be kind of fun. Um, but uh, he's an entrepreneur, beer maker, musician. Uh, the guy's interesting. Anyway, so, so uh, what else did you have that you wanted to uh, uh, share with us today? We'll make sure we get um, more so that- your report in. The study was a good one. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. take a look at that if you haven't read it before, but it's a really yeah, good indicator post it of that. It. Post it to our gun, uh, yeah. our gun page. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll put it up there for sure. Okay. The other thing I would say is for the question about the guy steals your gun and runs off, think of it in terms of a three-day rule. And this is part of the, this is part of the direction I was going with the report, so it all ties in. But okay. the three-day rule is essentially if in three days you are either dead or in prison, was whatever conflict you're about to step into worth it? Hmm. There's not a whole lot of yeses there. Yeah. So that Makes would go sense. to change, chasing somebody down for your gun, whatever that happens to be. Even if it's the road rage incident, even if it's the, the argument over a parking spot or the guy flips you off, right? hmm. does it really matter? Or does it impact it? Is it worth losing your life or losing your freedom because you stepped into something stupid that you could have walked yeah. away from? Yeah. This is especially important for men. When we're tied to men. That's where the ego gets involved. Well, what about this? What about the police dog that chases him down? The police dog chasing him down that bites him. That's on him. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Yeah. I have no sympathy or care in the world what happens to that guy. None. And neither should anyone else. They caused this mess. They brought it upon themselves. Whatever happens, happens. What I don't want to happen is somebody become a victim or put themselves in a bad situation because their ego got in the way and they weren't prepared for the level of violence they just encountered. Yeah. It's almost like uh, I would love to see a situation where people could go through those, those threat analysis or, or get an idea. If you're going to be, uh, you know, if you're going to be caring, uh, then, then get trained in what criminals do, you know, the level of violence yeah. that is possible. And now when I mean, we see it on the news I and mean, we see the looters and things like that, I mean, I, we, we, we all like the guy that, uh, you know, that attacked the, the, the shoplifter with a broom. I mean, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but uh, they were at least in a store in a, in a controlled situation. And, but uh, there's a liberal mindset out there uh, that's, that sure. says that these people are actually the victims. And anything that happens to you, well, you know, you should understand it because they're the real victims, which is a bunch of nonsense. There's a lot of psychologically damaged people with liberalism that will never defend themselves. And like this person ended up dead with somebody that, uh, 
you know, I mean, we don't know how many other people he killed, and especially with the illegal alien problem we have now, the the crime in the cities is horrible. You know, and so yeah, absolutely, people's own politics is working against them. That's our awareness class. We okay. tailored that class to show what the pre-attack indicators are going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, we play a lot of it's a lot of video because it's great. The only benefit to YouTube and society now with all the surveillance uh, cameras, excuse me, is that we yep. can pull from those and show people mm-hmm. what it looked like before the attack. Yeah. That class is primarily video, and we talk about what they saw, what you should be looking for. We also play interviews with guys in prison, legit bad guys. Uh, one guy is, uh, was one of the top three guys in the uh, Aaron Brotherhood. Uh, another guy is probably one of the top five, five guys in MA. And eventually turned state's evidence and started talking about their stuff. But the interviews are fascinating. And they're fascinating for people to watch and see because they have no idea what these people are about. They can't relate. It'd be like them trying to talk to a bear and understand it. Most normal, rational, socialized human beings can't understand how they operate, let alone the level of violence and what they're capable of. And if they've never seen it, that's when people shut down and they panic. If you at least see it, you at least create a space in your head that says, okay, this exists, and this is why I'm looking at it, this is why I see it, I understand it, and I can leave. That's the benefit. The benefit is showing, like you said, what, what it looks like, what you're going to encounter so you're not overwhelmed at that moment. It's about teaching confidence. It's about knowledge. Knowledge breeds confidence. Confidence is that non-victim quality, and that's what that study proved. Study proved, hey, look, if you were confident, if you walked like you had a purpose, if you paid attention, if you had your head up, if you weren't afraid to make eye contact with someone, that made you far less likely to be selected as a victim. Interesting. I'm going to bring on our guest of the day a little bit early because he called in early. So Andy Ross, I want to introduce him to uh, Action Radio. I'll give you the, the official guest of the day theme in just a little bit. But I love it when people cross over at different reports. So, so Andy Ross, entrepreneur, musician, American rebel. He's got a whole bunch of stuff we're going to talk about. But Andy, you've just been listening for the last you know, couple of minutes here. John Delmonico uh, is our gun reporter. He actually runs the Women's Firearm Academy uh, in it's Montana, right, John? Is that where you are? Yeah, Whitefish, Montana. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, Andy, do you have any questions before we get started with the report or, or your uh, spot here on Action Radio? I'll tell you what, I'm good to go. Okay. Well, I don't, you're live right now. I just want to let you know. Sometimes, like I say, a lot of times we cross over with reports. We'll, tell you, we'll just listen in for a couple more minutes, and then we'll, get to, we'll finish John's report. But if you want to, uh, if you have a question, anything, uh, uh, any gun questions or things like that, because you have a gun safe company, if I remember correctly, right? That's correct. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Well, let's talk about that uh, just for a second, John, uh, before we go here. Um, protecting your firearms. Do you teach that at your academy? Yeah. Yeah, uh, for sure. That's one of the bigger concerns, especially because of a lot of our clientele is women, for sure, and they have kids and grandkids and family over all the time. So it's really right. important. It's good to have a good, secure safe, but it's also good to have something that's secure enough that you can access easily. Okay. And that's been a problem. I don't know if... Um, I don't know if it's Andy, right? Yes. And yeah, do, do you do biometrics or uh, RFID safe as well? We do uh, handgun boxes with biometrics. Our, our, you know, our full-size safes, our electronic locks, as well as the, uh, you know, the old-fashioned tumblers. No, perfect. And those are the kind of things like uh, Candy said. You, if you have to leave your gun in the car, that's the thing you bolt to your frame or cable to your frame. That's where you put your gun in. 
That's okay. also that thing you can put in your cabinet or wherever in your house that's secure that only you can access if there is an emergency so you don't get kids or family or some guest picking up and having an accident. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, very important. They're, they're great in cars. A lot of people, you know, we go under the seat, and they also a lot of the, uh, you know, the camping world for RVs. Uh, they make they make a great product for that as well. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. All right. I tell you what. Um, just for this week, we don't, you know, have a lot. Of, well, it was, sometimes we sometimes we don't have a guest, but Andy's, uh, you know, a special guest of the show here. So, John, if you want to hang on, you're welcome to to listen in, um, or if you have to go right now, I want to get to Andy because he is here, and so I want to uh, continue on with him. Um, any uh, contact information? Let's get the, the your academy's uh, information, and then we'll uh, uh, we shall continue on. Yeah, we're at the Women's Firearm Academy dot com. Uh, phone number is four zero six. Three one eight seven two three three. Almost gave my cell phone number out. And, uh, you can reach us <laughs> there from, exactly. uh, from uh, Belarus or other places that hear us around the world. So you never know. <laughs> right. Be careful of the personal cell number. Okay, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, I'm supposed to sign out, right? So this is John Delmonico with the Women's Farm Academy Report. Is that good? That sounds good, yeah. Uh, and Andy, we've got two new gun reporters, so we're, we're sort of—they both have to find their voice. So we're kind of working on that right now. But John, you're doing a great job. And so this is your first regular report. Congratulations, doing just fine. Uh, hang out if you want to, or uh, if you have to go, that's okay too. And we're now going to get to our guest of the day, Andy Ross. Hey, good morning. So Thanks for having me. Wait a minute, I haven't had to do your intro yet. <laughs> you are the founder and CEO of American Rebel, a leading manufacturer of gun safes and other uh, concealed carry apparel. Uh, Ross is also a country rocker and former TV host. His show, Maximum Archery, ran for 10 years on the Outdoor Channel, the Sportsman Channel, and Pursuit Network. And now, now you can introduce yourself. <laughs> Welcome to Action Radio. Well, thank you very much. Good morning to you. And, and uh, again, I'm just thrilled to be here. Well, we're thrilled to have you. Let's give you a round of applause. So you got a cool story. Uh, I have to confess, I wasn't as familiar with it at first, but uh, I want to hear this because uh, you, you've got some, you, you're like the Renaissance man. You know, you, you're a CEO, you're an entrepreneur, you know, you're a musician, you, you've got the gun safe company, you've got American Rebel Beer. Is that the same company, American Rebel, does both of those things, gun safes and beer, or are they two separate companies, or how does it work? Um, you know, American Rebel is a, a publicly traded company now on NASDAQ, and uh-huh. it has two subsidiaries, well, a handful of subsidiaries, but we uh, we have a gun safe company, uh, uh-huh. American Rebel, as well as Champion Safe, and then we also have a beverage company that are, you know, solely owned by American Rebel. Interesting. So where did that all come from? Tell me your story. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious. How did, how did you get started being an entrepreneur? How come you just didn't, like, take a job like everybody else? What uh, What inspired you? Well, you know, I've been blessed to uh, turn a lot of my passions into, into you know, businesses and success. Uh, grew up in a small town in southeast Kansas, very into uh-huh. hunting, uh, got into archery and bow hunting. And I had filmed, uh, had a cameraman come with me and film, you know, four or five of my hunts. And I made a DVD, uh, circulated it to the, to the outdoor channel, um, as well as uh, some of the other outdoor networks. And uh, found myself with a TV show. I had a TV show called Maximum Archery World Tour for 10 years on outdoor TV. Wow. And um, on the show, you know, I, I, I started watching all these X Games and these, 
video games and all these things, you know, that the kids were into. And I was like, you know, this is really entertaining. And uh, I'm over here doing a, you know, a bow hunting show, but I'm Mm -hmm. over here, you know, going, hey, it's Tuesday. That wind's out of the West. We're in Kansas. And, uh, you know, I thought, yeah, how, how I've heard those hunting it's a, They'll whisper. It's, it's so funny. Yeah. So, so I, you know, and, I'm, and I'm just thinking, we need to pick this up. So yeah, we, okay. we changed the name of the show to Maximum Archery World Tour, and we put all of our mm-hmm. hunting dates and where we were hunting and the species on the back of T-shirts, like concert shirts. And we, oh, you know, we it. started stopping off in local breweries and doing our lawn, just anything and, you know, halfway getting into trouble half the time and, and uh, we made it a more upbeat show, and the kids loved it, and, and the ratings were great. But, you know, I could play a little. So, um, you know, I could play and, and, and write, and so I wrote some hunting songs for the show, like Gotta Go Hunting Blues, Hunt Me Down, Blood Trail on a Whitetail, Buck of a Lifetime, Support mm-hmm. Your Local Wildlife. And then uh, all of a sudden, you know, smartphones, file sharing, iTunes, all these things came out. And when they right. did um, – I found that the music had started to take off and go viral. And the next thing I knew, I had these Nashville recording artists that were fans of the show, you know, reaching out to me saying, hey, you know, we'll write one with you for your show. So if you want to get together and and write, come to Nashville. And uh, one of the producers that worked with one of the bands I was working with, you know, just said, hey, why don't we make a record? And uh, we we made the first record, You Ain't Seen Crazy Yet, followed by the, the record Cold Dead Hand. And then uh, in 2015, I had a a record out called Time to Fight, and on that record was a song called American Rebel. And it went viral as a patriotic anthem, landed me on Counting Cars, where Danny built me the Second Amendment muscle car. And we just decided back in (laughs) 2015, that's the Corvette. Oh, okay. That's it. And then in 2015, with the popularity of the song, we decided to build a brand around it. And uh, we thought we'd just call the company American Rebel after the song. The, the song became our mission statement. And uh, we came out with our concealed carry clothing line, moved into gun safes. And as, as of February of 2015, we're now a publicly traded, I'm sorry, February of 2022, we're mm-hmm. now a publicly traded company on NASDAQ. So that's the, uh, that's the short, brief version of the story. Oh, you can take a long time, but I don't know how much time you have. Do you have half an hour or do you have the full hour today? How much time did uh, do I have with you here? Yeah, I'm 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 back to back for this morning, unfortunately. Well, that's okay. We can always come back again because uh, I have a lot of things to t- I want to tell you about what we do here too, uh, because we are unique in the world in that we are the first radio show with a citizen legislature. So we actually write legislation. Uh, we have the vaccine product liability bill. We have a bill that ends big tech censorship. Uh, my favorite one is a constitutional amendment to uh, take away the power of Congress to borrow money. And so we have some, uh, we're trying something that's never been done here before, too. There's another reason I want to have you on, because uh, I'll be looking for advice, suggestions, uh, ideas, and um, possible, you might even want to get involved and advertise on our show and, and help sponsor Action Radio. But uh, I want to find out more about you first. It sound, you make it sound like it just kind of happened. I, I happened to get a TV show. I happened to, you worked hard at this. I, I just have a feeling it wasn't as easy as you make it sound. It's more to the story. You know, it, it, it's, it's never easy. Um, you know, we're just chasing the American dream. We're blessed to live in the best country uh, mm-hmm. in the world. I don't know that there's any other country where you can, you can accomplish what we've accomplished. They, uh-huh. I guess the point of making it easy is, or, or the, the simplification in it is, when I, you know, when I started hunting, I didn't really know I'd end up having a TV show. And when I had the, the TV show, Maximum Archery, I 
you know, the music career just kind of came as an, Oh, by the way, and uh-huh. then the music career developed, uh, you know, down the road and came out with this brand and, or came out with this song and it, you know, went viral as a patriotic anthem. And, you know, then we just, you know, we decided to build a brand around it. So it was just kind of like one blessed thing led to the next, to the next, to the next. I, you know, I never, when I did the show, I never said, well, I'm going to have a music career. And when I, you know, when it moved into a music career, I never said, well, one day I'm going to run a company, you know, publicly traded on NASDAQ. Um, I think, I think what it is, is, you know, working hard, doing the right thing, chasing the American dream and, uh, you know, just going as, as, as hard and fast as you can and, and never giving up. And, and then, you know, the opportunities just, you know, seem to come. Yeah, this is happening with our show here, too. It's, it's really quite interesting as we, you know, sort of get the message around the world. People believe in freedom. They want freedom. It is the natural uh, state of, I think, all human beings, uh, except there are very few places where you can have it. And it's in danger here right now. Do you see with younger folks, especially a uh, sort of a lack of either belief in the American dream or, the, or that it'll happen to them? There's kind of like an apathy out there. Do you, do you take part of your work as, as inspiring, you know, some of the younger folks that are out there? It's interesting, and that's a great question. You know, the the younger generation, um, and I guess it's probably been this way throughout time, you know, they grow up, and what they see as they grow up is a completely different, you know, world than what what I saw when I grew up. So they're starting Mm -hmm. at a place of, you know, if you're a young, uh, if, if you're in high school or coming out of college now, you know, you you see the world as these you know, these iPads and iPhones and, and laptops have been, internet's been around forever. You know, you can't mm-hmm. imagine life without it. Um, hmm. You know, half the people, you know, work from home, um, you know, and all the, you know, Amazon, you know, is a, is a, is the monster store online store. I mean, all that's just normal. You know, they, that's where they're, they, they start. So, um, you know, I grew up completely different. You know, there was no internet when I grew up and, you know, I lived in Chinook, Kansas and in main street with mom and pop businesses were still thriving with the local cafe. And, and, uh, you know, I went to school with my, in my, you know, in a truck with, with shotguns and a gun rack hanging in the window and <laughs> actually went duck hunting before school. And, and, uh, you know, during duck season or opening season, we'd come in late and, you know, our principal would say, now guys, you need to move it along a little earlier tomorrow. And by the way, how'd you do, you know, so it's just a a different world. So if you, if you look at from where they're starting and then, you know, just ask yourself what, you know, what do they think the future would look like when they only know the present? Hmm. And uh, I think the American dream is, is, is live and well. I think, you know, technology is, you know, in my, my opinion, just running crazy. Um, I, I, you can't, you know, I'm not, I'm not suggesting you should stop it. Um, but it's, it's definitely going to present new opportunities and, um, you know, it it will change, you know, the way our, the way our world works. And, um, I haven't, haven't seen much evidence that, uh, that it's, it's doing, uh, you know, it's making good advancements maybe in, in uh, certain parts of our world, but it, it does feel like it's taken away some of the uh, personal interaction and, uh, you know, everybody's kind of hiding behind an email. And 
not out <laughs> shaking hands and doing deals Keyboard and looking warriors. each other in the eye and and yeah. uh, and you know so, so so maybe maybe you know some ethics some values uh, social media uh, bullying on social media um, you know only you know all the the gaslighting and fueling the fire and getting this side upset and that side upset you know which is all part of the media social media um, it's a different world. And, uh, yes, I do believe to answer your question, the American dream is live and well, um, still by far the best country on this rock. Uh, but it is, uh, it, it is hard to put yourself in the shoes of, a you know, of a 19, 22 year old individual, uh, and how they, how they view our, our country and view the world. Well, we actually have a teenage reporter on the show on Tuesdays, and so it's fascinating talking to uh, Brianna about that. Now, she happens to have been to Patriot Academy. Uh, she's Christian. She's uh, uh, highly intelligent and, and thinks differently than a lot of her peers. But So there is hope out there. So I think it's kind of up to us. Like I'm, That's I'll be great. I'll be, it is great. Yeah, thank you. Uh, I'll be 64 next month. So I think it's up to our, you know, especially us over 60 folks, to talk to younger people and say, look, there is a wonderful world in this country. What you're seeing, you know, it's not all based on white supremacy. You know, the slavery was not the, the foundation of the United States. You know, all of a sudden we have to correct a lot of information. Um, in, in the material I got for you, they, they talked about the Supreme Court case. Um, and it said Supreme Court, a new term will decide if a uh, gun ban for people with restraining orders. Are, are you working with gun issues at all? Is that a priority for you? Just curious. Uh, you know, I would say that we're more involved in gun issues just um, – for two reasons than, you know, than the average person. One, we, we make two a products, concealed carry right. backpacks, coats, jackets, gun safes, and so on. And mm-hmm. number two, I'm just an avid, you know, I'm just a uh, strong supporter of the second amendment and, and the constitution. So even if I wasn't in the business, I would, I would probably, you know, I'd have an ear to the ground probably more than most. Um, hmm. And I am familiar with the case you're talking about the, you know, the, uh, the problem with the, rest, you know, the restraining order is, you know, anybody with a gripe just about can get anybody with a with the restraining order. You know, it's not a trial. It's not a jury trial. And, um, you know, there's a lot of he said, she said restraining orders issued. Um, it seems it seems like there should be a some type of uh, proof or conviction of guilt of of a violent crime before any, you know, any of the other laws that are already in place would uh, yeah. restrict somebody's ability to, you know, own a firearm, protect themselves, their family, their business, their property, um, even a room full of total strangers for that matter. Yeah. I want to focus on the Supreme Court aspect because we talk a lot of law here. We have a legal reporter, Pianchi, who's also on the line. We talk m- much about this, but the Supreme Court, uh, there's a huge misunderstanding. There's nothing in the Constitution that says they can interpret the Constitution. There's nothing that gives them the power to make uh, law or regulations or policy. In fact, all they can do is write opinions. And so the, the idea that the Supreme Court is deciding all these issues, people go to the, they say, well, we need the Supreme Court to say that the Second Amendment's an individual right. No, you don't. God already said that <laughs> when we were born. You know, we were born with our natural rights. And one of the natural rights is the ability to uh, defend ourselves and to, to own and carry weapons. And so all this, as, as I explained, all the Second Amendment does, uh, rights are, you know, are things you're born with. But as far as the government goes, all rights are, first of all, absolute. Otherwise, they become government privileges, uh, government regulations. And secondly, the, the Second Amendment is a prohibition on government. It's got nothing to do with individuals. It's got nothing to do with us as Americans. We already have the right. 
what it says is that the government cannot touch in any way, even infringe or encroach upon uh, our ability to own and carry firearms. And this is how I explain it to people. And I say, okay, well, given that, and they say, well, what about the, the big shootings, the mass shootings? And I say, well, first of all, those are tragedies. Those are horrible. I said, secondly, those are the use of firearms. Now, you notice that the Second Amendment says nothing about the use of firearms. The use of firearms, because they're both legal and illegal uses, cannot be considered a prohibition or, or, or a right. So what it is is the government uses statutory law to regulate illegal uses, you know, carjacking, bank robbery, and legal uses, right. self-defense, collecting, competitions, hunting, things like that. And so as I explain it, gun control is categorically unconstitutional because it violates the Second Amendment. The government is saying ahead of time, you can't do this. You have to get a permit for that. You can't have a magazine for this. You know, you can't carry the gun here. I said, all these things are, are infringements upon your right to own and carry. As long as the government only deals with the use of firearms, when you actually draw that firearm and use it, you know, and then, then, it's, then they're well within their, their, their power to do so. Otherwise, it'd be stupid not to. You know, we want things to be considered legal and illegal. Uh, that's what keeps our freedom in a free society. However, people confuse the two. They blur this distinction between the use of firearms and the Second Amendment prohibition on government and the use of firearms by individuals. Does that make sense? What you're saying makes sense in the world, and what what you know what is uh, what's ironic here is that when it comes to the use of firearms and 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 all of the all of the bans and all of the you know all the things they want to put on you in their in their uh, explanation is this will help you know crime this will help shootings this will help uh, prevent crime if we you know, do this, ban that, don't let them have this, restrict these people. So which is the right to bear arms? You're talking mm -hmm. about there are laws for the use of firearms, but what's mm -hmm. ironic is people are using firearms and committing crimes every day mm -hmm. and only to have next to no sentence for it or just being right. let go or they're, you know, if if they're if they're not citizens, they just disappearing. So they're they're the, the laws that are in place that you talk about the use of firearms, they're mm -hmm. not even upholding those. Exactly. But they're trying to chip away at our rights, thinking, well, that will fix problems. Let's just ignore the people that are already doing breaking the law of use of, and uh, until until you're gonna until you're going to be strict on laws that are in place on use of and actually mm -hmm. hold criminals uh, responsible for their actions with a, with a proper sentence and a pro, you know, proper uh, punishment, if you will, you know, it, it, none of it makes any sense. Yeah. You know, we, uh, we, we don't want to, we don't want to uphold any laws of any violent crimes. So let's just, if we remove, you know, firearms in their mind, they think, well, then they don't have, the ability to create a violent crime, which is insane because, you know, they can't keep drugs out of prisons. They think they're going to keep guns off the street. A criminal can go to <laughs> Home Depot tomorrow and build it and, and build his own gun. All that they could turn it into a to a, a, a trafficking business when they already have, just like the drug business. They'll smuggle them in. They'll come up. I mean, they're, they're never, never going to get rid of firearms. Their only yeah. goal for some reason, and they have to know that, their yeah. only goal for some reason is how do we restrict law-abiding citizens who want to protect themselves and possibly stand up for their God-given rights? How do we take their firearms? Because they'll never get them away from criminals. 
That's what it comes down to. Pianchi, well, let me get you one quick question here, Pianchi, because I, I only have a few more minutes left with Andy, and I've got a bunch more things yeah. I want to ask him. So go ahead. What he just described is bureaucrats that's making these rules that the Congress never votes on. They're not laws. They're rules that bureaucrats abuse when they restrict yeah. your rights with a five-magazine clip and crazy stuff like that. That's what yeah, we have yeah. to fight. Yeah. It's, okay. What's, what, what's so right, strange about it? it no, I'm sorry. What's, what's so strange about it is a law-abiding citizen, uh, someone who believes in the Constitution, who only wants the best for their country, gets up every day and works hard. You ha- you have to look at this and say, well, they got to know that they can't keep guns away from criminals. They got to know they're being sold in a black market, smuggled, they'll mm-hmm. just turn it into a, a, even a bigger business. So why do they want to take mine? You've got to scratch your head and say, but why would you take mine? I would think you would want me to have mine. I'm, I'm the guy, I live in a high-rise in downtown Nashville. I'm the guy in the building that mm-hmm. actually could help if all hell broke loose or the riots got into our building. Um, I'm the guy that actually could, could do some good. I'm, I'm a little bit trained. I'm pretty pretty responsible, you know, pretty knowledgeable with my firearms. Why do you want to take mine? I'm I'm on I'm on I'm on the right side of this deal. Why are you messing with me? That's go me- go go put go put them away. I'm not doing anything that's wrong. That's a simple answer. That's a simple answer to ask that they want to take yours because history has shown people like you have rose up against their anarchic anarchic actions. That's right. They allow the yeah. criminals to exist in order for you to be afraid. So if they say, well, let's take the good people's weapons, because when we go about doing the things with federal overreach and trying to take your rights and your property and everything, history has shown that those are the people that stopped us. So we yeah. got to make sure they don't do it again. 100% yeah. correct. And, and if you look at any territory, country, whatever you want to call it, any group of population where they've disarmed their citizens, there's not one good example in, in all of history where, in it, where it improved or anything could, good come to those people. In fact, history will show that shortly after their, a, 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 you know, a village, a town, a city, a country is disarmed, that, nothing, that, that only bad things happen from there. Yeah. Well, let me just let you know. There's for a reason they want to do it. Oh, absolutely. We have a bill, though. Uh, so the whole thing here at Action Radio, because we do write citizen legislation, is we have a bill that uh, calls for tax credits uh, and tax deductions so that people can exercise their firearms rights and not be discriminated against. So we've got a whole new world here of things I think you might find interesting. Uh, I want to give you a, a website real quickly uh, and an email to write down if we can uh, get in touch after the show sometime when you have more time. But writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S, writeyourlaws.com. And my email is Greg at writeyourlaws.com. We have several pro-gun bills that you might be interested uh, in helping out with. And, uh, yeah, so writeyourlaws.com and then Greg at writeyourlaws.com. Um, I'm only a little bit of time, so I want to talk about beer, music, and cars. <laughs> I'm going to do it in that order. So let's, talk, let's talk beer. You know, this is, this is an American drink. Damn it, we like our beer. So uh, yeah, man. what have you created? You know, Tell me. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we've created America's patriotic, God-fearing, Constitution-loving, national anthem singing, stand-your-ground beer. And, oh, you practiced uh, that a few times. <laughs> you, you've said that before. Yeah, I'm a songwriter, yeah. so when I get something, okay. you know, when I get a verse in my head, I can remember it. But uh, 
You know, mm-hmm. we, we, we've had beer. We've always wanted, you know, we've always said American Rebel's a lifestyle brand. We're America's right. patriotic brand. We're not uh-huh. just a gun safe company or just a concealed carry company. You know, mm-hmm. we want to see American Rebel charcoal, American Rebel wheelbarrows, American Rebel motor oil, American Rebel racing parts. And uh, we want Susie to go up to mom and say, Mom, what's dad want for Father's Day? And she says, Honey, anything with American Rebel on it. So um, <laughs> we've had beer. We've had beer uh, for about mm-hmm. three years on our radar, and mm-hmm. uh, I, would, I wouldn't be telling the truth if I didn't say that the Bud Light, you know, uh, situation moved it up the totem pole. And yeah. uh, metrosexual, you, know, you say, well, work. <laughs> yeah, so, so what? Yeah, we're, we're a two gender elbow bender beer, by the way. Um, oh, but the uh, the uh, you know it moved it up the totem pole, and you say, well, mm-hmm. that was a while back. You know, why didn't you? roll it out already. Uh, you know, we're not rolling this out as if uh, we're a microbrewery rolling something out locally and, mm-hmm. you know, hoping to go statewide and, you know, over the year. We're rolling this out nationally in January. And okay. uh, we've, got, we've got, you know, distribution, a lot of things in place, and we're coming out, coming out loud and proud. But uh, American Rebel Beer, we'll have, we'll have the American Rebel Beer, we'll have the American Rebel Light, obviously feeding into that that voided market and then we're we'll also be doing following that with the american rebel constitution line which is where we'll get into some of the uh the higher gravity beers the we the people wheat we the people unfiltered wheat that kind of stuff but our flagship coming out will be you know the standard american rebel american rebel light beer um again going after a void that's you know a big void that's been left in the market that's fascinating because I remember when Sam Adams came out. That was uh, a great beer. And these big beer manufacturers, this stuff's terrible. No offense, sorry guys. Miller, Bud, you know, you, you lost it. <laughs> you know, the craft breweries came out for a reason. Um, so that's fascinating. I want to talk. Uh, well, actually, I was thinking too. If you ever come out with a rifle line, um, I'm fond of changing the language. And people talk about uh, assault weapons all the time. I said, no, they're not assault weapons. They're freedom rifles. So if you came out with a freedom rifle, American Rebel freedom rifles or freedom pistols, or something like that. And someone says, why do you need an assault weapon? I say, you mean a, a freedom rifle? Well, why do I need it? For my freedom, obviously. So there's, there's, a, there's my idea for you for today. Um, that might be kind of fun. Uh, what have we got next? Again, oh, music. Let's talk music. I played music all my life. Uh, I played tuba all the way through uh, from uh, junior high through college marching band. I uh, actually had a solo uh, senior year playing on my knees with the University of Massachusetts band. I've been playing, playing guitar like the last 40 years. Still trying to find a good group to play in. But you've got a Les Paul, I think, and you've got uh, – what's your acoustic? Um, you know, just, just here in my place, uh, that here in Nashville, I'm uh-huh. looking at a uh, – a variety of guitars. I've got two Les Pauls hanging on the wall and two okay. Fender Tellys hanging on the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gibson J45 acoustic sitting over there in the corner. A uh, a uh, Taylor T5 sitting over there in the corner. And two cigar box guitars leaning up against the couch that I was messing with last night during a uh, uh, during the football game. So when you say you happen on a music career, you've, you've probably studied this. I mean, th- these are not guitars that people just pick up and go, well, I think I'll play guitar today. So what's, what's your, how'd you get started in music? You know, I, I had a great, uh, I don't get to tell this story very often. I, I, I had a, a, a great band teacher in school and mm-hmm. uh, in high school. And, and I'm not going to, I mean, and here's why he was great. I mean, you know, you only learn so much music in high school, so I don't really know the level mm-hmm. of, of music, although he was very educated and, and talented. 
Mr. Roberts was his name, small town, Chinook, Kansas. And, and I, and, you know, you get to high school, you start getting to pick some electives and I picked band and he and okay. I was playing in the, in the school, in the school band. And I made it, um, you actually I played saxophone. Okay. And then, cool. uh, and then switched and then switched to guitar. But, um, and you know, when we were younger in, uh, you know, like in, in grade school, you had to play, you know, pretty much a wind instrument, and I played saxophone. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Roberts, I, I took band, and about three days into band, I, I wanted to quit. And, oh, uh, come? I just want, didn't want anything to do with it. And he's like, why? And I'm like, this is boring. This is, you know, this is not what I want to do. You know, we're, we're you know, we're reading music and doing all these goofy, you know, songs. And, you know, exactly what you would expect school band to look like, except... Mm-hmm. You know, I guess I didn't know. And uh, he said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, I want to play guitar, and I wanted to rock. You know, I, mean, okay. I had older brothers and sisters. I was listening to Bob Seger and Fleetwood Mac and, right. you know, all, all this great, you know, heart and all this great rock and roll. And uh, he said, I'll make you a deal. And uh, we he he took a day, and he and I came to class the next day, and he said, here's the deal. You can take band, you can drop your other elective, and you can take band twice. And one hour of the day, you're just going to take band. And the next hour of the day, you set your amp and a guitar and headphones up over there in that closet, and I'll teach you what you want to know. I'll get you started. You, you show up a few minutes before class, get over here. I'll get you started on something, and you just sit in there and play your guitar. And I said, deal. And yeah. uh, what I what I come to learn real quick, and what he got a big chuckle out of and already knew, is the stuff I was learning in the boring band with all the other kids actually applied just perfectly <laughs> to the stuff I wanted to do. I just thought they were as different as day and night. They're not as different as day and night. Notes are notes and chords are chords. And, yep. and you know, and so, uh, um, but that's how uh, I ended up staying in band. So that's a great story, and I think uh, one of the most underrated groups in our country uh, is uh, band, orchestra, and chorus teachers because the profound yeah. influence they have. I had, uh, I'm here in Milton, Florida, and when I was with uh, WEBY, uh, previous station before it was bought out, I had the band leader, I had the assistant leader, I had a graduating senior and a freshman. So we had the entire scope of the band. Uh, it was fascinating. And so my story is fairly similar. Uh, I like guitar playing because I didn't have to read music. And tuba parts are traditionally boring. So I'd usually play like the clarinet or the trumpet part just to freak out the band director. And to this day, <laughs> to this day, my solos sound, I'll, I'll jam along to uh, Brian Setzer. In fact, uh, I got a sing, sing, sing version. I'll, I'll do jam along to Dixieland as a guitar player. I end up sounding like, a, like you know, a clarinet or a trumpet player. It's kind of fascinating. We have a real short time left. I want to talk cars. Cars are boring. I've got a new, I've got a new creative car act. <laughs> we need to do something with our cars. So there's too many restrictions The you know, the, the 72 Corvette was like the last great Corvette. Then they became, you know, metrosexual cars. What can we do to yeah. bring our cars back? We need our, we need muscle yeah. cars. We need American cars it, back. It, it's <laughs> interesting. Uh, it's very interesting. You picked out the 72 Corvette because I've always felt like, you know, especially as, as of late and, you know, going into 84 for sure, you know, it's almost like the Corvette gave up and said, we're just going to try to make the Corvette look like the, uh, you know, the, the, the overseas, you know, Ferraris and Lamborghinis and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, we're just going to give up on our own identity. Yeah, it's not American um, anymore. And, yeah. And have an American muscle car 
we're just going to have an American version of a Ferrari uh, looking thing. And uh, Mm -hmm. that saddens me. But uh, I can tell you one, one area, you know, we American rebel, we sponsor uh, Matt Hagen at Tony Stewart Racing's funny car. We just won the, um, we just won the St. Louis uh, championship last weekend, first place, Mm -hmm. victory lane. And um, thank you. And they're, 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 they're sponsored too by Dodge. And, uh, so I've gotten to know a couple of the Dodge vehicles. In fact, I've got a Dodge Durango Hellcat on order, and mm-hmm. uh, and looking forward to that. But the the Charger, the Challenger, and the and the Hellcat Durango, you know, there's still some American muscle there um, that's that's not copying and trying to look like you know a European hot rod. But um, yeah, it would be nice. I, I just I can't imagine. You know, I guess I guess kids can't imagine life without the internet i i can't imagine being in high school and not hanging out in my buddy's garage working on you know <laughs> even if we're just talking about working on it i mean what was more yeah. fun than just messing with cars and you know and trying to get an old part or ordering this or changing out the you know first thing you had to do was change out the stereo like you didn't care if the brakes worked but you know you had to get the factory stereo out and get your uh, you know get your cassette player put in there um, or, yeah. or, you know, it was unthinkable, but, uh, I just, I, I love cars, love hot rods, you know, wish I, uh, got to spend more time messing with them and had a car project to work on now, but, uh, there's not room for where, where, where I live at the moment. Uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. I don't want to make you late for your next interview and I could talk to you all day cause this is funny. You're like the all American Renaissance man and we need to, to bring this to the next generation. Um, so if you have to go contact information, um, I'm going to probably text you off the air uh, and give you my website and, and email because I think there's a lot of work we could do uh, that would be fascinating. I, but it's been, I do it's been gotta, great to have I you on. jump, but I would love okay. to come back any other time, finish this conversation or just pick up on new topics. Uh, just reach out to, uh, who, you know, the people that set this up and I, I will yep. definitely come back and learn more about what you do. Thank you so much. Give you a round of applause. Thank you, Andy. We'll talk again soon. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. God All bless. Right. All right. God bless you too. You take care. There we go. That's Andy Ross. This was a great conversation, so definitely we're going to have him back. Um, and I'm just going to bring Pianchi uh, back on the line here. I just, um, sorry, Pianchi, there's just this, uh, a few things I really wanted to cover with him because I knew he had a time deadline. We only get half an hour with these people, um, these very special guests, unfortunately. And so, uh, so we're going to get a chance to chat in a little bit. And so what did you think? Uh, just let me get your initial reaction, then I'm going to take a break here, and then we'll come back for the, the remainder of the show for this week. Pretty cool, huh? Yeah, uh, one of these days you'd be at the position where you could pay for them to stay longer. <laughs> well, I think uh, no. I just have to schedule them when they're not. They're, they're, we have we have folks that get us these amazing guests, and uh, and so because of that, the, unfortunately, they see most talk shows give guests two or three minutes. I mean, that's it. You know, we do an hour uninterrupted. We don't have commercial breaks with our guests. We don't do a news break in the middle. And these people are used to very short interviews. And this is why, you know, it was interesting when Andy said he hasn't told that music story before, but that was really insightful. That was really, you know, and now I know more about him. And now when I listen to his music, I go, oh, I know how you got started. He was in a, you know, he was a headphones and an amplifier in a closet, you know, playing along to uh, guitar stuff after he did band stuff. And his high school band director started him on this course. That is a great story. That's the kind of thing that comes out when we have extended time to talk to people, which is really critical. Um, 
Let me uh, take a quick break. I want to come back. I want to talk about something we're going to talk about Monday, which is whether Trump should be speaker and all the possible implications of that, or of course, anything else on your mind, too. So I'm going to take about three or four minutes, and then we'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Action Radio. Part of the ADHD Radio Network. The ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio.
Yeah, that's one of these uh, days when we have back-to-back reporters. We started off with Tara D with the uh, Santa Rosa County uh, Animal Shelter. Then we went to uh, Derek Park with a financial report. And then we have our two new gun reporters, uh, uh, Candy Pettacord with, I'm going to make sure I get this right, the, uh, uh, the Black Mama Bear gun report. And then we have uh, John DeMonico with the Women's Firearm Academy report. Uh, and then we had our special guest, uh, Andy Ross, who was just on. And now we've got about 22 minutes to uh, settle the world's problems. But uh, I think the, the most intriguing right now is the idea of Donald Trump being Speaker of the House. And I was initially opposed to it. I thought that uh, the deep state would uh, put him in a box and drive him crazy and he wouldn't be able to do anything. And then I thought, you know what? This could be really interesting. Uh, he could have uh, spending bills. He could hold up budget items. He could defund departments. He could uh, set up the special committee on the stolen election. He could do an amazing amount of things. And because he doesn't have a term, he's not, you know, he hasn't been elected to Congress. He's just serving a speaker. He could leave anytime he wanted. He could, uh, you know, go fly out to uh, uh, the primary states right before the primary and kind of seal up uh, the base, you know, win the primary and go back to the speaker place. And he could be, he could have a daily press conference. You know, he could campaign every day as speaker uh, and then just go visit the states for like one rally, you know, and then right before the nomination could uh, resign from the speakership, you know, take the Republican nomination, campaign for president and then uh, be president after that. So all in all, I've changed my mind. I was wrong. I think um, now that I look at it, he would be a good uh, speaker of the House. Pianchi, what do you think? Yeah, you that's a good idea. And I agree. That we find ourselves in a position that probably wasn't planned. It just mm-hmm. happened to fall right out of the sky. Well, I'd heard of rumors of this before. Trump should be Speaker of the House. And I never thought it was a good idea uh, just because, like I say, the House has restrictions. You know, you've got the politics. You've got the leftist media. You know, the, 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 the Republican Party hates him. You know, how many votes would he get? Um, so I think it's unlikely he will get it. I think it's more likely Jim Jordan will be Speaker, which is fine. But the fact that is that he could be Speaker and not have a, a, be elected to Congress so he wouldn't have to serve. He, would, he could be there as long or as little as he wanted. He could be there a month. You know, but uh, the things he could do in that month would be incredible, knowing Donald Trump. The deals. Can you see, you know, Biden having to deal with Donald Trump on budget? The, he'd be like, that's not happening. <laughs> no, we're not going there. Or he, he could make a policy so that the House is no longer going to borrow money. You know, he could say that, uh, you know, you're not going to get your, your budget unless you open up the West to uh, drilling. You know, or, or tell the Senate that. I mean, there's so many things. I, I have an article coming out on this. This is why I'm not just pulling these out of my head. I actually thought about this before the show. But there's so many things he could do as Speaker that would be just hysterical as well as historic. Well, these lawsuits would be put on hold. Uh huh. Yeah, he could he could bring all the district attorneys in before Congress, before the Judiciary Committee, and say, okay, so uh, who's funding you? Who's behind all this? You know who I'd really see? I have a list of people he should subpoena and question. Merrick Garland, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, um, Alejandro Mayorkas. I've got Dr. Fascist, Dr. Burks, Dr. Redfield, Dr. Howard, Dr. Fine, Dr. Howard, <laughs> Chris Ray, James Clapper, John, John Brennan, <laughs> you know, all the Russia hoax people, Nancy Pelosi, Mike Pence, uh, any, any uh, Fauci, the, warden, yeah. the, the warden of the D.C. jail. Um, I've got a bunch of different folks here on this list of people that he should be uh, the, interrogating. Uh, Go ahead. The the the, the uh, police of the uh, the Capitol yeah. police chief. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, let me add that to the thing what DC, else? Uh, DC and Capitol Hill police. Yeah. Thank you, Pianki. Who's from Kentucky? He wrote a book and it mentioned about the information. I think I emailed you. No, I texted okay. you. It 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 has emails where Dr. Fauci. And someone else is discussing the very things that's been said. 
Oh, oh that you think of Rand Paul. Yeah, Rand Paul yeah, is the Rand senator. Paul. Yeah, yeah, and, and it's Dr. Fascist. We we don't use his name here. We call him Dr. Fascist. I'm just teasing you, but uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you think about that? I, I think it, I think it's typical, but I've always known this guy was a was a megalomaniac, um, Holocaust, uh, you know, inspirer. I mean, this is what he does. He has no conscience. Doctor, for those who don't know, Doctor Fascist. Yes, so the, the the real name is Anthony Fauci, but we call him uh, Doctor Fascist, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. I'm gonna tell that to Naomi Wolf. She'll be on the show Tuesday. Um, but uh, you talk to Doctor Judy Mikovits. She hates. Dr. Fascist. Dr. Fascist had her arrested when Judy came out with, and Judy's been on the show a bunch of times, but when she came out saying AZT is not effective on AIDS patients, uh, and the New York doctors came out with this uh, drug called Bactrin, and Bactrin is effective with AIDS patients, very effective. Just hydroxychloroquine is effective with COVID, with COVID patients. But uh, Dr. Fascist did the same thing with AZT because it made him money. So he killed a whole bunch of people, including Freddie Mercury of Queen. We did a show on that, uh, just as he killed all these COVID people by, by pushing remdesivir, which is deadly, uh, which puts people on ventilators, which is more deadly. Um, and, but he makes money, so he doesn't care. The guy has no soul. He's not human. He's, uh, you know, he's Dr. Mengele. He's not, like, Dr. Mengele and, Dr., uh, and Joseph Goebbels rolled into one. So not only is he a, a Holocaust doctor, he's also you know, his own propagandist. You know, Nazi propagandist. So uh, he's he's one of the most evil people I think that's ever lived. So you know, but yeah, uh, Trump should interrogate him now. Trump needs to. Well, here's a question for you though. The one thing hanging over Trump's head is the fact that he, he really screwed up when it came to COVID. He let the um, the, the the health folks take over take over. But, but as I just learned, it wasn't the health people at all. It was the National Security Council. Did you hear that yesterday when I was talking about that? The Brownstone article. No, I don't oh, think geez. so. I, yeah. You know, we don't have to listen every day. Just up on ah, okay. Uh, but anyway, so we had an article from the Brownstone Institute talking about how Dr. Burks, Dr. Debbie Burks, you know, a scarf lady, uh, she was not part of the health bureaucracy. She was actually with the State Department. And she was detailed to the, the National Security Council. And it turns out that the intelligence community actually ran the COVID thing. Um, and I just learned that. I also learned recently that, that the 15 days to slow the spread, that wasn't Trump's idea. That was Mike Pence. So Mike Pence was working with the, the health Nazis, too. So the, the lockdowns, the mandates, the mask stuff, all those things that were going on were all deep state. That was all. And it was a combination effort to steal the election. And that's how they did it. You know, so all the, uh, the, the mail-in, the voting drop boxes, uh, the, the harvesting, the, the, slow, the, the stopping of the count, the illegal voting machines, the hacks, you know, the Internet programming of the voting machines, all that stuff uh, came about because of COVID. So people didn't have to vote in person and show ID. And so that's what that. So they combined the two operations. But uh, COVID was a national security operation. It was not a health public health operation. That was news to me. So that has to be found out. But Trump, he's got to go up and say, look, I screwed up. I never let us, never should have let these people take as much uh, charge as they did. I never should have had them recommending lockdowns. I should have done, you know, what I, you know, what was recommended by Dr. Zelenko and Dr. Scott Atlas uh, and America's frontline doctors. He said I should have followed their advice because they're private doctors. They had nothing to gain uh, except to help people. And the government doctors had money. Uh, to gain. And Dr. Fascist had money because they all have licenses. They, they get licenses and royalties. They're allowed to make money um, off things they, they do research on in government. And that, that fundamental conflict of interest you know, causes them to, to uh, help big pharma 
uh, and help themselves rather than do what's in the public interest. Because what's in the public interest is not what's in their interest. What, what's in their interest is pushing vaccines and remdesivir at thousands of dollars. It's not in their interest to uh, talk about uh, or to allow people to, to get uh, uh, hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin at 20 cents, 20 cents a pill, especially when those things are more effective. So it's, uh, they're horrible. But Trump needs to sort of own up to what happened with COVID. Um, and uh, maybe he will speak or maybe he won't. But, uh, yeah, there's some interesting potential here. Back to you, Bianchi. Well, yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot uh-huh. of things. That can be, and there's some very important things that need to be put in place uh-huh. and done uh, before things get so completely out of whack that uh, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, yeah. It's headed that way, but it can be stopped. You know, I will listen to the, the person who's talking about their reluctance to open carry. Uh-huh. But if you think, uh, if you have a combination of the two, you got to feel people there in that bunch you got people there that's got uh weapons on the hip or and they got a bulge underneath their shirt i'm going someplace else to do my criminality hmm. see and then this is a constant battle and i don't know what the statistics are i don't know i don't know what the reports are i don't know what uh, what people have found out um from doing this i mean i'd be really curious because uh, it, it would be quite interesting to me um, to see how many crime. Well, I don't know how you, you can't really determine crimes that are deterred, but um, you know people that were openly carrying. How many stores have been robbed by when customers were openly carrying? I would say very few. How many people have actually yeah, had their guns remember, stolen? Go ahead. You remember that one movie? <laughs> and it was in a bar scene, and I can't think of the actor, but uh, somebody came in. To rob the bar, he pulled out the gun. About that time, about twenty-five of those people in the bar pulled out theirs and pointed at him. <laughs> I remember. I remember the Blues Brothers. They did that in court. They had a courtroom scene where somebody pulled out a gun, and the judge and the bailiff and the, and, every, and the jury and the entire audience pulled out guns. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah there was. A, yeah, there was. A, I, I know. The, I think I know the movie you're talking about, but I don't remember exactly what it was. But yeah. That's true. Well, when we used to do open carry in uh, in California before they banned that too. So Florida, California was weird. They did, you couldn't conceal carry, but you could open carry um, for a while until they banned that as well. So we thought, okay, well, let's see if we can get concealed carry and we'll carry openly and show how safe it is. So we, we had a group and we used to go to Starbucks and we went to uh, uh, a place in Walnut Creek, California. It was a pizza kitchen, not the California pizza kitchen, but it was like an independent one. And what we used to do, and then the police had to be there. We notified them ahead of time. And they would come by and check to make sure that our guns were unloaded. And some of them didn't know how to handle guns very well. I was like, my private gun, dude, don't go snapping the slide down on an empty chamber. Okay, you're, you're messing with my gun. Um, but it was worth it for, you know, one time is okay. Anyway, so you could have your magazines, loaded magazines on one side and your empty gun on the other. Well, how long does it take to load? What? Like a second or two. Anyway, point being that we had in a, in a restaurant of maybe 50 or 60 people, 30 of us were carrying guns. <laughs> it was hysterical. This is California, right? So they're not used to seeing guns on, on, on regular folks. And we went and sat down with the tables. I remember this one family. You had, you know, mom, dad, and the kids. The kids were like five and six years old. They thought it was great. I said, wow, everybody's got a gun here, dad. <laughs> you know, yeah, we do. And I said, well, can I, and I, you know, really polite. I said, can I, can I talk to you guys about this? And they're like, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, go ahead, sit down. So we had a discussion. And I said, you're in the safest restaurant in California right now. I said, you've got 30 people who are armed. who will do anything they can to save your life. And the guy's like, hmm, that's different. And the, and the wife's like, wow, it's kind of cool. And the kids loved it anyway. You know, they well, just you know, it was exciting. Yeah. So that was restricting you know, open carry. 
mm-hmm. restricting open carry is really unconstitutional. Oh, it now, is, absolutely. By statute, you can control conceal, mm-hmm. but that needs to be changed. That needs to be changed, too. But uh, there are places, I know places in Missouri where people show up at the restaurant, the police come in and start out, and then the owners say, well, you need to get out because you're causing trouble. So, yeah, those <laughs> The police should come yeah, in trouble? What, just by showing up? The, the owner tells the police they need to leave because they're causing trouble. How are they so, causing yeah, trouble? Uh, because they're harassing the people that walk in the, in the uh, eatery with their guns oh. in them. Oh, I see what you're saying. And this is an open carry state, though, right? So the police, you know, Missouri, the police yeah, pound sand. Right. Yeah. So the oh. so why would the police do that? I would complain. It's like you know, you're why would they complain about people openly carrying guns? Because when you they're openly carrying guns. On, you have some people on police forces that are complete nuts. Well, that's true. That. Yeah, I've met and I've worked briefly in law enforcement. I can tell you, there are people that do not understand the Constitution. They swear on oath to. I have one guy in particular said, "Well, we need to take away all the guns from the civilians. Only, only we should have guns." I said, I said, you, you just described, you know, uh, tyranny. You just described fascism. You just described Nazism and communism. The idea of the government having, having the guns and the people not. I said, how do you, how do you do this job? You just violated your oath. He looked at me like I was some kind of alien with three heads. Oh man, I'm right. You know, you know, I'm right. No, you're not. You're an idiot. So yeah, there's a lot of police that would, would rather that they're the only ones that have the guns. Well, if that's the case, go move to a communist country, you know? Uh, go serve in, in Cuba, uh, you know, Vietnam. <laughs> we have listeners there, too, both those places. Go to communist China. Say, look, I, I want to be the only one carrying a gun. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> you know, but the police, that, that attitude really sucks. And that's a problem. We need to educate police. That would be, be a good question for John next week when, when John Monaco's on. You know, ask about the police attitude towards carrying guns. I bet you it's very, very uh, enlightening. Well, that's. That gets back to what we talked earlier, that anyone that's uh, considering being employed in positions of that nature, they need to pass a test or have shown where they have undergone mm-hmm. courses that explain the Constitution's Bill of Rights and the protection that citizens have that they are not supposed to infringe on. Yeah, yeah we didn't have that when I went through uh, uh, customs uh, training. There was no course on the, sec- uh, on, on, uh, the Constitution. There should be. You know, now they, they make you swear an oath to the Constitution, but they don't make you read it. <laughs> you know, it's like signing a contract without reading it. Uh, it's kind of stupid. You know, another thing, too, I got a question for Jonathan on this. Um, I think I know the answer, but I want to check with him anyway. Because people still ask me, well, don't you have to be a lawyer to write legislation? I'm like, no. Lawyers deal with laws once they're written. They don't write them. <laughs> well, they can, but there's, there's, no, there's no requirement that a lawyer certify a bill uh, before it becomes law. All that has to happen is the legislators have to vote on it. And yeah, they're going to have lawyers take a look and they're going to make sure they're compliant and constitutional and things like that. But um, I don't think lawyers have a course in writing legislation in law school. Have you ever heard that? No, they don't. Matter of fact, that would be something that you should, I wish someone like yourself, because you have a very uh, excellent way of putting things, simplifying things, like you were explaining about the Second Amendment period earlier in the conversation huh. with your last guest. Oh, yeah. Well, thank uh, you. Many people don't have that. Hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting to say that I got a lot of practice as a flight instructor, and I kind of worked on it. I wanted to be able to explain complex things to people simply. 
And so I kind of like make rules in my head. It's like, how do you, how do you explain? And I get the, the details. You can take as much detail as you want. But if people understand that the Second Amendment only covers um, the, the owning and carrying of firearms and that that is an absolute prohibition on government, which makes it an absolute right, the government cannot touch your ability to own or carry firearms. That's in the Constitution. However, once you start using firearms, that's a different story. Now you come under action, and actions can be governed by statutory law. Since gun control comes under owning and carrying, it cannot, be, it cannot exist because it's categorically unconstitutional because those laws are not about an action with a gun. And, and that's how I decided to, to explain it. And it, it seems to make sense to people. So, yeah, that's how I like doing it. Absolutely. That would call for a gavel. Mm-hmm. Simply said, court is adjourned. Go home. I got a I gavel right here. I have a gavel. Maybe you, should, maybe you should include it in your, <laughs> in your show. Well, maybe I should. A friend of mine gave me a, a Newt Gingrich gavel. I actually have a gavel here on my desk. So I could uh, maybe I'll get a little thing to, to pound it with periodically. It's got to. It's got to have more authority than that now. You got to. Well, that's what I have the gong for. Okay, fine. Yeah, well, that's why I don't use it very much. But I, I do have the gong. You know, so we have different levels here. When, uh, when uh, you know, when things get a little heated, and I don't have a control of the conversation, I hit the bell. And if that doesn't work, you know, then we then we up then we up the ante, and I, and I go for. Let me see if I can find it here real quick. Then if that doesn't work, then we go for the gong. And that generally gets people's attention. <laughs> we did that with candy. That was funny. So I want the round of applause. So I gave her the gong just because I'm contrary. Those two are good. Do you like those? They're very different. Candy. That sounds like the building was falling down. Nah, no, that's it. Well, that's that's going on outside. I got construction. Something. The neighbors are doing something. Um, but um, I really like our two new reporters. I mean, wh- what are the chances that we get two excellent gun reporters at the same time, and that they would both be available? on the same day, you know, after that, uh, and to go back to back. That's going to be a fun hour. I'm looking forward to it next week. It's kind of like Shirley and John used to be. Remember John, uh, Jim, D- no, Shirley and Jim, Jim Dykes and uh, Shirley Watchall when they were reporting and they were back to back and they were friends anyway. But uh, now we've got Candy and John. And I think those two are, uh, have two very different yet very important reports. Well, the substance is there. People just got to understand, know how to put it together and make it work in order to improve on what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the members of those gun clubs should, uh, if they have the time during the hours you're on, or even listen to archives, they should listen to your show. Well, I think so, too. That's why I do it. <laughs> but we've got podcasts. Everything is podcast. And so you can go back to our very first show. Maybe I'll play that one. <laughs> you know, uh, I'll post that on Facebook. Here's the first one. See how bad we were? <laughs> My first show was not great. I mean, it really was. It was it, do you remember? It was Christmas Eve of 2018 was our first. Did you ever hear our first show? Or did you discover me after that? I'm not sure when you started listening and calling. I don't know. I think it was, I think it was the day you left the door open. And I just wandered and looking around. <laughs> you're still here, too. That's the funny part. Uh, but, yeah, no, you're, you're a huge part of the show. Um, so it's, it's, it's really great to have you here, but, uh, I want to try rebel beer. <laughs> let's see if you, let's see if, uh, if, uh, Andy Ross makes a, a freedom rifle, you know, he come, if he comes out with a freedom rifle line, we'll know where it came from. <laughs> it'll last for a percentage, you know, give, give me a finder's fee or something, but, um, he's got to, and the music thing, 
uh, it's, it's interesting because I've done a bunch of things for myself. I've played music. I've flown airplanes. You know, I've served in law enforcement. Uh, I've done radio. Uh, I've been a tour guide. I've done a lot of really weird stuff. But every one of those gives you insight into what other people do. And it's really fascinating to be able to, you know, sometimes relate directly because I know my own guitar playing. I was frustrated. It took me a while. Uh, it was so different than tuba. You know, my hand hurt. You know, I couldn't quite form the chords properly. And I was 21. I was, you know, a healthy guy, right? But it takes about six months. And you don't realize it takes at least six months to be able to play a decent chord. Six months. It takes that much time to get your hands strong enough to do it. Now, geez, I rip all over the, 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 the fretboard. You know, I'm playing you know, heavy metal, wild stuff. I mean, it's kind of fun. But I'm playing better now in my 60s than I did when I was in my youthful 20s. It's, it's kind of interesting. Do you play music, Pianchi? I don't think I've ever asked you. No, never had time to do that. You know, that's a, that's a detriment of being on the planet Earth if we was on Venus where a day is about a week, you know. We would be able to do more. But we limited to 24 hours, and part of it, you got to rest. Yeah, but you can still learn to play an instrument. It's not too late. Do, do you have no, a favorite one? That, you don't have, oh, okay. I have hey. an interest in playing an instrument. Okay. Well, then I want like, to get more playing. I like listening to the music. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know what I like listening is the uh, What's that? the national sympathy, symphony of uh, countries like Finland. Uh, they do a great job with the Clint Eastwood uh, theme song. No, that's Denmark. It's, it's Denmark. I, okay, I, Denmark. I, I'm sorry. I played on the show. Yeah, so anybody that wants to know what we're talking about, go to the Denmark National Sympathy. Sympathy. You got me doing it now. Symphony. <laughs> Denmark National Symphony. Uh, and check out the the recordings of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, uh, Fistful of Dollars, A Few Dollars More, uh, any of those recordings, because those are fabulous. And they're really having fun doing it, too. Well, we, we play classic here. In fact, let me... Uh, uh, I'm going to play my, my classical theme a little bit early. I don't know if you've ever heard this, but this is how we close the show on Fridays. something else to close the show but that's how we do yeah, it yeah it's been uh, it's Every in the latter we... part of that play when the conductor's hairpiece flops off <laughs> that was the 1812 overture by peter Ilyich tchaikovsky tchaikovsky i can't talk right now i've been doing too much radio this week yeah but uh, i don't you know we play a classical piece at the end of every show right or did you know that that's good yeah it's good yeah i got five of them 
So on Mondays we uh, play a, a sonata. I forgot what it is. Tuesday is uh, the Marriage of Figaro. Wednesdays the uh, the Beethoven's Fifth. Thursdays the William Tell Overture, and Fridays the eighteen twelve Overture. So we take some of the greatest pieces in classical, classical music, and they have like a minute, minute and a half uh, bit of it. And that's how I close the show. I've been doing that for, oh, I don't know, a couple of years now. It's kind of fun. At least a year. Hmm. Anyway. Oh, 1812, that's where uh, Andrew Jackson became famous. Oh. Huh. Yeah, so the, the Tchaikovsky wrote Jackson. it for the battle between, uh, the Napoleon battle between France and Russia. <laughs> that's, that was his battle of 1812. It wasn't. It wasn't. It had nothing to do with the United States and England. But that's good. Uh, I like hearing uh, pieces like that. It, it inspires the soul. Make you. Uh, make you feel good. Well, that sounds good. All right, sir. I'm I'm done with this week. Monday we're going to pick up the the Trump story. We'll see what happens over the weekend. Um, but uh, it's going to be a fun week. We got to, we got guests. We have so many guests. We got Naomi Wolf on. Uh, on, on Tuesday, uh, I've got uh, Bianca Von Krieg has a, has a special guest, a conservative, you know, so that's going to be fun. Um, and that's, I think, that's oh, Steve Stern is coming on. Uh, what? They waive the laws on the, on, on the wall. Joe Biden has no business doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the border wall? On yeah. the border wall, yes. So they waive their own he regulations. He has no authority <laughs> to do that. No, he doesn't. This is the fun. Even though he's doing the right thing because the regulations are stupid, that has to. Congress should say no. You can't do that. Well, here's now. This is actually a really good point. So I'm going to go for a little, little bit of extra time on that because what's happening is that the, the Demo- there's actually too many illegal aliens, even for the Democrats. And so they're saying, look, you, you know, you're going to cost us the election. We're going to lose. You know, you're going to have to bail out New York. <laughs> there's so many illegals going to New York that uh, they can't handle it, which I think is hysterical. I don't have any sympathy for him. You know, I think, uh, you know, Governor Abbott of Texas should send illegals to New York by the train load. You know, send them 10000 a day. A couple I of trains, 5000 5, a train, 10000 a day. Chicago, mm-hmm. too. Yep. Union mm-hmm. Station in, in uh, the base of the Capitol building. Yeah, send them right there. The Union Station in Washington, D.C., Grand Central in New York. Uh, what's the big Chicago station? What's their train? Penn State New York, too. They are Grand what's, Central. Oh, New York has a uh, – well, what's Chicago have for a station? What's their big train station? Chicago has a central something. So Union yeah. Station and something like that. Union, union Station. Yeah, yeah. I believe union St. Louis station. has a Union Station. Yeah, just mm-hmm. just, just uh, send the trains. <laughs> send in the trains. <laughs> you know. But I think there's there's so many illegals in the country now that they went so overboard with this policy. And here's the other danger, too. This is what I think is going to happen. Now that the word's out that they're closing the border, they're going to come even faster. Cause they want, they you don't know want what they're they telling them in Chicago? What's that? To... Uh, the, the football field, what do they call it? Fort, not Forest, but... Uh, mm. Oh, Soldier's Field soldier's or something? Field. Okay. Yeah, send them to Soldier's Field. Let them, give them tents. Well, what's going to happen when the illegals form gangs that uh, compete with the black gangs in Chicago? <laughs> That's going to be really wild. Yeah, send them down to uh, Boys Beach, Boys Town, there on the beach. Hmm. I don't know, but uh, the, the Democrats, uh, it's, it's fascinating the Democrats can't stand their own policy now. Because it's it's backfire. It's actually affecting them. When Democrats get affected by their own policies, they don't like them. It's you really know what that is. So, you know, you know, Boys Town is, is the homo, homosexual area in Chicago. It's, it's got about eighteen, twenty, twenty-five thousand businesses and so on. The beach, Where's Boys where they lay out. Because Boys Town used Chicago. to be for orphans. It used to be for orphans, right? There was Father O'Malley or some father ran it. I remember seeing Spencer Tracy do the movie. 
about Boys Town. Yeah, it's funny that they chose that name, but yes, there's a Boys Town in the long North Shore of Chicago, where uh-huh. it's a homosexual area, oh. restaurants and so on, so on, so on, and the homosexuals gather, parade. So like this. Well, you know, it's interesting too. In San Francisco, the the the, the gay men would gather, but the lesbian women didn't. So lesbian women didn't really have a have a center, but the gay guys do. I mean, the Castro is gay men. Uh, I used to do tours through there. So let's uh, dump uh, ten or twelve busloads there and give them ten, sure. so they can camp mm-hmm. out and then, yep. you know, wait and see what happens. <laughs> we're we're already we're going to see what happens because they're already here. Should be interesting. All right, so let's end on that note. Let's pick it up again uh, Monday with uh, with uh, Biden's border wall, uh, the policy he hated. And uh, whether Trump's going to be speaker, apparently he's going to be meeting Tuesday uh, with Congress. That would be hysterical. He could actually end up uh, arresting or, or defunding all the people that are uh, trying to arrest him. <laughs> That's right. This is, That's inter- right. This is getting interesting. All right, sir. I got to play a couple more uh, commercial. Right. Talk to you later. Be back next week. Thanks for your help today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, bye. All right. So bye now. So I'll be back Monday. And we'll do it all again, 7 o'clock, 7 a.m. Central Time. Jessica's off for a couple of weeks, so I'm going to be holding down the fort. Uh, I may have other guests. We'll see. Do I have guests on Monday? I don't think so. No. So the first hour of Monday, I'm going to talk about this before Johnson gets in. Uh, I'll probably do my article, which I'll be writing after the show, on whether what, can, what Trump can do as speaker. I think that's hysterical. Anyway, got a couple of announcements to play, and I'll be back Monday at 7 a.m. Central Time when we will do it all again. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive, conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stars Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stars Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't, which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care, and now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care. 
better health through better knowledge and advocacy. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive of offers. 15178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe and Summit 4xe models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. 
Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.